whole get you in the world and the whole take you out is what yeah. they say. <laughs> and, and sometimes you can sure. just live not... with one for a long time. <laughs> hey, Flat, during good times, tall tell some big lies, fall under your category. Get with Aaron and Joe's, cause you know you want to go and hear them cooking up a story. Just get with Aaron and Joe's, hey, you know you want to go and hear them cooking up a story. All right, friends, welcome back to another episode of Cooking Up a Story with Aaron and Joe's. This episode is brought to you by FallenLineman.org and Whistling Springs Brewing. I hear, and I haven't confirmed yet, but I'm about to that Whistling Springs Brewing has the best root beer a man can get. World's best. Is that World, right, Wes? I, I, I've never had it, but it, when, when somebody says world's best, I mean, it's better question, than other. Yeah. It's got to be right. got to yeah. be right. It could probably beat Canada, <laughs> at least. Uh, and a value for value member of the week is... Well, son, we've got a value for value big-time sponsor coming in. That'd be Mr. Jared Robinson. Jared Robinson. He... He went ahead and Venmoed us some money so we could keep this deal going. I believe yeah. he he bought our bags of ice for the night. Sweet. And since we're on value for value, uh, this past weekend I participated in a little bit of a cooking competition where I had it handed to me. But the good thing is, is those boys from Mullets and Mudbugs. Uh-huh. Or maybe Mudbugs <laughs> and Mullets. Vice versa. Which one or the other, however you want to spell it. Uh, they they schooled me a little bit. Without a hairnet In on. the competition? In the competition. They schooled both. me, but they kind of broke my heart a little bit, Made, I mean, in where, a good where, way. Where were these guys from? I'm just curious. They're Missouri's. Missouri. Home of the mud bug. <laughs> when you think, when you think <laughs> mud bug, you think Missouri. But these Maybe boys. Maybe it's Mobug. It could be. Ooh. These boys come up and said that they were our number one fans. And they almost brought a bottle of uh, Crown Royal for Joe Martinez and us some good whiskey. Nice. Whoa. <laughs> almost. You know how many you know how many times I've had people say I almost, almost. brought you a bottle. Almost. So, yeah. since they spanked me in the competition, they, I mean, big time fans, and I offered up a couple of those fellas a, a ringside seat at a future event. Cool. And I hope they take us up on it. But who's our guest tonight? We have in-house Calvin Cope. Calvin, how are you, buddy? Doing great. How are you guys? We're doing good, man. Good. good. We're uh, happy to have you in-house. Thanks happy for, to have you here with us tonight. Thanks for the invite. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Let our guests know, well, know a little bit about you. Or, let me help on that. We're going to take you way back yeah. to no. the beginning. <laughs> Not like what happened yesterday. At the car wash, but we'll, t- <laughs> we'll t- take you back a little bit further to like uh, your youth. Where 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 did it start? Um, in Avoca, Arkansas, is where I was raised at. Conceived. Uh, I didn't really Beaver get that Lake. info. So did I they have a drive to... drive in over there in Avoca? All, all we have now is a gas station, Choo Choo's Pizza. And I think there's a medical clinic now. You got a liquor I think store? they got that place that oh, makes boat docks. Oh, there is a liquor store. Yeah. like like some place that makes boat docks across the street or something. Used to be. I think now they repair campers, RVs, oh, yeah, airstreams. Yeah. Kind of along Latham, the same lines. Latham cabinets Latham is still cabinets, out there. Yeah. yeah. Big town. So you're Down bo- at the mouth of Oka. Oh, yeah. 
That's what that means. That's uh, why we got the, the mouth, Mexican. The home. mouth. Yeah. Huh. Did you not know that? Uh, nope. Hey, you hang around us, we'll teach you all kinds of useful shit. <laughs> <laughs> so you you were born in Avoca, or yep. probably you were probably born outside of Avoca, but you were raised there. Avoca got a school? Uh, no, we went. I went to Rogers. What's Rogers School? Mounties. Yep, a Mountie. Mom and Dad, what did they do? Dad was a gunsmith for I don't know, probably twenty years, and then he went to work at Winton Sauna Screenfield Industries. And my mom was a school teacher for, I can't remember. And then she went to Winton Saunas or RTW. I got you. Oh, yeah. And carbide. Yep, a lot carbide of carbide. I got to learn lots lots and lots about mills and end mills and taps and dyes and stuff I don't even care about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and what was it called? Winton Saunas? I think that's what it was called. I've never heard the that original before. Winton Saunas. It was like RTW, TRW, I've heard, I've Ken, heard all Ken of metal, that. Kenna Metal now. Yeah. Kenna, that's where we had our first squirrel cook-off. Yeah, we did. The Kenna Metal building in Bentonville. Yeah. They didn't have any tools in there. No, no <laughs> ore dyes. No, they just... <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. now it's a card company, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, Hallmark. It, yeah, yeah. Hallmark. Hallmark. Hallmark's in there. There you go. You ever been to Drop Forge, China? No. <laughs> I've all... Is that really a place? <laughs> well, I mean, every tool I've ever bought has always said Drop oh, Forge, China. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I've always... I thought, boy, that must be one hell of a joint. They just over there making wrenches. Chromium. And, yeah. Dipping chromium. shit everywhere. They got chromium factory. <laughs> I don't know. chromium that we're talking about. I mean, we were talking about tools, so I thought I'd throw in that Drop Forge, China deal. I, I looked for it on Google Earth, tried to drop a yellow man into it. Couldn't, couldn't get one in there. So, did you grow up... Uh, Playing sports or agriculture, what was your... You're probably shooting since your dad was a gunsmith. Well, the best I can remember, I'd call it a nut farm. It'd be right up your alley, a walnut farm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember picking up a lot of walnuts, but it was just so it wouldn't tear up the lawnmower and have to throw them had, all over the hill. Had and them then black hands. Between those and the bush light cans... Uh, you can make a hell of a living in the yard. I did. Oh, black picking them up. Hell yeah. It was like probably $5 a hundred back then. Yeah. My mom told me one time, she said, if you'll fill up that whole sack, it'll bring $10 a hundred. So I'm counting walnuts. One, two, three. I get to a hundred, I'm going, all right. Yeah, a hundred pounds. I drag it up After they shell them. We haul it in there and they're like, here's your 60 cents. What? Not yeah. real sure, but they got fucked on that deal. Yeah. Count me, boys. Right out of the gate. That is a tough deal. I don't know how that industry ever made it. With oh, this. hell, I used to make wages picking up black walnuts. Did you really? You bet. I mean, you would need a ton of walnuts to even well, pay the cable bill. My old boss had an old flatbed truck, so there was when there was days that we didn't have... I mean, we always had work, but there was times I thought, hell, I'll just go pick up walnuts. But I could, I could make wages. Five-gallon bucket at a time. You know, my daughter was born in October, which is really great time to start picking up them walnuts, right? And since she was born in October, my friend Cornbread come down to help pick her up with me at the at the hospital. And he walked inside that room that my wife had been in, and he fetches every one of the rubber gloves inside there, steals them. Well, he considered it. He didn't steal them. I'd he already paid for getting, them. He didn't know yeah, he was getting charged for them. <laughs> he said, I'd already paid for them. So he put all them rubber gloves in his pocket. I said, what are them for? He said, picking up walnuts. Yeah, you get them and a pair of brown jerseys over them. Yeah. For some gription. Yeah. Gription. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so you, 
don't lose track of that wallet. I mean, hell, they're worth the tenth of the cent apiece. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even think it's that. (laughs) So you uh, you grew up picking up walnuts and beer cans. Were you good in school? Uh, The best you can be at that age, I reckon. C plus student. Yeah, C's and, you know, get through there and get your diploma and move on. We learned here a while back that B's work for C's. Is that what he told us? I think so. B's work for C's. I had a buddy that said that C equals MD. Yeah. He was in med school finally. Yeah. But C (laughs) equals MD for him. Well, there you go. (laughs) You can get anywhere with a C. So, right out of high school, what'd you do? Uh, I worked at, I don't know if it's still there, a little starter alternator shop and uh, grocery store there by the old St. Mary's and Rogers. We like combos here in Arkansas. Alternators and grocers. <laughs> yeah, alternators and starters. I don't guess I remember Alternators and starters. Uh, so it was right behind, I'm trying to think, I think there's a car mart by it now. There was a place in Lowell called Rico back in the day. That yeah, you could yeah old yeah. Suave worked over there. <laughs> yeah, no, that was the owner. I think this one was. He was originally from Spain, I think. <laughs> yeah. Perky's, Perky's Fleet Electric, maybe. Uh, not, not much more of that. But. It was just a small town guy, and he took good care of me you know through high school and uh, he got mad when i quit and went to my full-time job you know because he'd invested time in me but it was a good learning experience so he, he didn't want you to get a big boy job no no he didn't want he wanted to keep me there and keep things moving so did he, did he try to railroad you there at your other job or? no he just he was he was visibly mad to see me go he you could tell <laughs> he, <laughs> he'd invested visibly. time in getting me to where he wanted me and then right. i i told him i said you can't pay me that and he said nope he said but if you ever want a job come back i said all right is yeah. that is that when you went started training to be a lineman yeah so our guest tonight and and you all will notice throughout our conversation he may have some pauses in our conversation and that's because he's going to suffer from a slight bit of memory loss and as we get into this show we'll figure out what a big thump into the head can do to a man why hell you i get the same shit well you've been thumped in the head too <laughs> for not doing dishes <laughs> hey i run shit at my house dishwasher vacuum cleaner yep, no, <laughs> he runs it all but uh <laughs> yeah. so we're we're gonna we're gonna venture into tonight's show and uh i believe i titled it one second can change everything and uh in life one second can change anything and and you never know when it's going to happen it it could be for the positive or it could be for the negative uh you can meet someone that will change your life you could you could scratch a lottery ticket win a million bucks or the opposite could happen and in that one second bad shit can happen that can change your life but we're a show that proves that even in struggle, there comes successes. And sometimes they're hard to see, and sometimes they take a little bit to catch up to. And this is by no means, I really wish my wife was here because she can remember so much more of all this. You know, I can remember all the piddly stuff that's happened to me through the years, but she's been right there. Yeah. And she didn't want to come because she was worried that maybe the emotion would take over. And I'm going to do my best to keep mine in check. And the reason I'm here is that if I can persuade someone that's been where I was and say, look, if you want to talk, call me. Because I was the guy that didn't get that chance. And I had to work through it. And so we'll get there. And and 
on that, let me tell you what happens around this magic circle <clears throat> inside the squirrel dairy right here. Grown men tend to cry inside you know this room. And I'm not ashamed of it okay. either. I've earned the right to do it. And You've if they the don't right. like it, they can just take off. Yep. Kiss his ass. So grown men can cry around this circle. And, and we've learned through all of our experiences on this show that there's a 100% guarantee that you will help someone tonight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. by you talking, you're going to help people. And you you probably won't get a knock on your door to tell you it happened. You might. But there's a guarantee that you're going to help somebody in a in a time that may not have been as worse right. as yours, or it could be twice as bad. Right. However, that might happen. And, and we might hear about it. We'll gladly pass it along to you. So, well, so if you, they try to knock, they better watch the white dog because he will not <laughs> let them. <laughs> <laughs> white dog. So you uh, you stopped playing with alternators and stuff and started a career job. Uh, yeah. The ideal, you watch your mom and pop grow up and get up and your dad goes to work and comes home 4.30 and then he's working on guns part-time still, keeping that alive, and you think... I want a nine-to-five job, just like my dad. And you think, well, I can remember my parents coming home, and they were like, we made $40,000 together. And they'd worked a oh, tremendous yeah. amount of hours, like ungodly. Mm -hmm. And my first year as a lineman, or just in tree trimming, I made that. And I was like, I was so proud, and I just almost devastated my mom because she'd worked her whole life, and I just trumped her. She was proud, right? Mm -hmm. you know, but it's... You step out from under your parents and you start looking at bills and you want that 401k, the retirement, all the glitzy stuff, you know, you see people have and talk about and old timers, get that 401k going. Right. They're right. You know, you do need to get, get started early, but uh, in one second, you can realize that maybe corporate America is not your drive. I got you. So in order to become a lineman, there's a process to even get to that right. point. You got to take your, your like bumps you said, and bruises. Like you said, yeah, I started out on brush trimming yeah. crew. That's So, so for our listeners who don't know, how what's that process? What How do you work your way up from Greenhorn to... There's schools you can go to now. Right? Yeah, there's yeah. lineman colleges, and they have big lineman rodeos. And the, the network of people, and that's why I chose the fallenlineman.org is... They were a great help and inspiration through my whole process. Uh, there were people showing up in the middle of the night that we didn't know. And they're but like... This was after your accident. Like yeah. This. And they were, they'd ask my wife, hey, uh, I got to go get a cup of coffee. You know, um, what size shirt you wear? I'll, I'll go get you a nightgown so I can wash your clothes. And they'd bring clothes and food. And it just, it melts you. Mm -hmm. All right. So we'll work up to this. <clears throat> so... You started off trimming trees, yep. and trimming trees is a is a big part of of running the electrical grid. So you ice storms and wind, yep. whatnot don't don't get into our grid system, and that's kind of an entry level position for most co ops or electrical companies. Right. And so, how long did you do that before? I want to say it was two or three years. You know, they teach you to cut the trees, fall them trim lines but you learn what poles are and look for bad stuff and they teach you all the piddly stuff that you take for granted later on down the line but a lot of chainsaw education on right. on how to use a saw yeah. how to cut trees it's called i guess it's probably called felling trees i don't know a lot of a lot of rashes grinder from running around the brush yeah, yeah dude do you guys have to take do you take some medicine so you don't get 
poison ivy? I don't. Uh, a lot of the guys up there did. They took something called oral ivy. Mm. Oral yeah. ivy. Yeah. Did you know about I that? I some of that this evening. It's a <laughs> no, that was her it, name. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oral <laughs> ivy. Yeah, I remember you put that on your tongue, right? You, like, yeah. drink the stuff. And they it, like, sell it. your immunity. They sell oh, it at Walgreens. Yeah. And so it keeps ticks off of you and shit? No, no just, just poison, poison ivy. Just poison kinda. ivy. Yeah. Well, I never had no poison ivy, but what about them old chiggers and ticks? Garlic. Odor-free garlic tablets. I thought it was. And you'd stand by those. You'd say they work. (laughs) Keep the ticks and the women away from you. So odor-free garlic Garlic. will keep the ticks and chiggers. Or just garlic, I'm assuming. But odor-free is probably preferable. A lot more going to stay away. What was that shit you had? Mimosa or what? What the hell did you have at one time? Poison sumac. Sumac. (laughs) Mimosa sumac. (laughs) I got mimosa. I got that sumac all over my sack and stuff. Oh lord, it was brutal. Um, <laughs> That's that was when he was trying to work on it. Couldn't yeah. even keep his hands off it. No, <laughs> I didn't want to touch it. I was scared. <laughs> I was going to get it in my eye. <laughs> uh, all right, so you you worked on clearing lines for about three years, and the outfit that you were working for, do they have a, a program that steps up from tree trimming into linemen, or, is, or do they – pick out the cream of the crop and move you in there for a promotion yeah they just watch you grow with the company you know and kind of pick the best at the time and naturally you get turned down some some you don't you know others excel and if you uh always take the bad seed then you're always going to have a bad seed so they just kind of let people work through and eventually the ones that want to stay hang out and move up so as positions go in that industry is is linemen the i mean is, is that the the king of the of the organization i mean as the workforce not as the office folks as the blue collar workforce yes they between the right-of-way guys and the linemen uh they're what keeps all the squirrels off the poles uh, you bet. turns your power back on when the super bowl's on because you know too many people shooting stuff up in there or whatever <laughs> it is uh so but you, squirrels getting fried up or on transfer lots of them in yeah. in a way i mean shit not really in a way but by all reality, a lineman is a first responder. Yeah, 100%. Um, and even during storms, which when you're out on the road, you're, you're trying to get somewhere. And I could say almost everybody that works the over-hour shift, probably, you know, there's always going to be a few bad ones. But almost every one of those guys is out there because they want to be. Mm-hmm. Not because not they have to be, but because they fell in a groove that, I want to get to Wes's house. I want to get his lights turned back on because, right. man, you do. That, that's a good job. You know, you get their power back on so they can get the kids to school, whatever. And you you get a lot of reward for yourself, even though you get people that throw sticks at you and call did you she, names did, when during ice storms, whatever. Yeah. But Did you ever go on a big campaign, like for a big storm? Different state or anything? I think I went to Oklahoma once and I went to eastern arkansas and that was the coldest time in my life ice storm yeah it was like five degrees maybe 10 but the wind was 30 miles an hour and it was not a tree for miles and it was <laughs> well, cold, there's not cold. many trees in the east yeah. arkansas yeah. calvin more looks for for when we have ice storms and he always picks the crew from kansas so he gets good hunting ground up there to go turkey hunting there you go Back <laughs> deer hunting. what a boy yeah that, that yeah. used to be a like one of my top priorities was just meeting guys from other co-ops because you, you get to meet so many people and you go, hey, we don't have any turkeys here. Yeah, and they yeah. look at you like, what did you say? We got hundreds of them. We we don't have any turkeys. They're like, 
bring an automatic and come mow some of ours down. <laughs> yeah, we hell, hate yeah. those things. Kill them all. Like, Kill them all, yeah. You want to trade a deer hunt for turkey hunt? You know, and most of those guys would swap you one out just so they could come test the water here. And yeah. It's, yeah. And they become lifelong friends. You bet. I mean, yeah. We, oh, yeah. we both got mutual friends from from that. Yeah. The, the camaraderie is is really there, and it doesn't matter if you work 10 states away or if you're a contractor. Um, those guys work just as hard as anybody else does. So, right. mm-hmm. so you all are strapping on to your legs. You're strapping on your, what do you what do you call that system? We call them hooks or I don't know, climbing gear. Or yeah, climbing gear, belt and hooks. So you're strapping on the hooks. You're putting on the belt. You got the rope swung around the 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 uh, telephone pole, and you're climbing up. Power what, pole. Power pole. How high up those things? What's the highest ones you climb? So the highest one I've ever climbed was in Berryville. Well, highest wood one with hooks was, I think it was a 90 or 95 foot pole. Dang it. And I bought bought the belt from a retiring or moving on lineman. And I got up there at the top of it. You didn't want a new one, did you? No, I I couldn't afford it. You You got that used one. (laughs) I get all the way up there to the top, and this is when you didn't have to wear safeties. And you just run as fast as you could go, and you get up there and you throw the safety on it. You lean back, and you're like, Oh. <laughs> then oh. you start looking at the equipment you just bought, and you're like, that leather looks kind of weak. I but, so walk us through the operation. Whenever you climb up one of these poles, what's your duty up there? It varies so much. Every pole is different. I mean, you might be running new shit or fixing old shit or yeah. whatever. I did far more fixing old than I did building new. I bet. Yeah. So yeah. is this live wire that you're up on? It varies. Uh some of our wire, it's gotten to a safety aspect of it. It's better if it's dead, you know, 100%. Uh, but it's, some of it's live, some of it's not. Sometimes you got two or three guys up there, everybody tries to communicate so nobody gets hurt and everybody watches out for each other. So as an industry, what's, like, you know, you watch Discovery Channel, they'll have crab fishing on there. It's one of the deadliest jobs. A lineman, where does that sit in deadliest jobs? Right, I think it's up there. Well, it, it's not the position. Uh, you have to look at what the dangers are, like driving a car. Well, where's the lineman at? Nine-tenths of his life. In the car. He's not in his bed. He's driving to your house to knock the squirrel off. So there's one, and then you got sleep deprivation. There's another one from working all those storms, which that's gotten better through the industry over the years. Uh, and I think there's a list of four or five different things in the top ten that all fall under the same category. Yeah, and... and- Electricity is probably the last, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one too. Did you ever yeah. get hit by any of that power? I've got hit by power one time that was severe, and it wasn't it what, wasn't that bad. What voltage was it? Uh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> Whoa! It was thousand kilowatts. No, it was uh, seventy seventy six hundred volts. 7600. So, and it actually happened just right up the road from the studio here. And I thought of that when I drove by. I thought, I think it was 06, maybe somewhere in there. I got shocked. Probably so. Yeah. Anyways, we were, uh, we had to put a pole in the middle, you know, and dead end the line. And we dug the hole waiting on the bucket to get down there so we could attach it and cut it loose. And this was before wheel chocks, cones. I mean, before any Your real cowboys. hard hats. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is back when Safety the linemen, you, you went out, and you just built line and didn't worry about it. And we got the hole dug, and we went to put a 
an anchor down for our guy wire. And we ground and ground and ground. It's a rock, you know. It ain't easy to dig in this part of the country. No. Mm-hmm. And that old man, he said, uh, let's let's put a new one on there. Let's, you know, let's, maybe that one's dull. Maybe we'll push through. We'll try and scoot it back and see if we can get the crack or something. I said, okay. And he picked it up. And we had an apprentice with us. And I was probably just just made journeyman, I think, if I'd made journeyman. And he raised the boom up. I think you was farther into it than that. Was I? Yeah, you was probably at least four years in. It's the age on some of this. It's not the trauma. But right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he raised up, and I dropped the bottom out. And I grabbed the new now, bottom. What do you mean by that, dropped so the bottom it, out? It, there's a rod. like a, I think there's six foot. A six-foot rod with a, a big screw on the end half-inch plate. Like, a, like an auger or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it just, uh, it's like those little, you know the dog anchors yeah, they bet, sell at yeah. Walmart yeah. with your, little, your, your, it's bet. a glorified one of those, yeah. more or less. And so I gr- picked up the new rod and I went to stab it in what we call the Kelly bar, and I just, my arms just locked up, and I was like, what is going on? Oh, and that's the point you were getting shocked. Right, mm-hmm. and I hit the ground, and I got up, and I was I was like wired, like oh, I bet. a million miles an hour, and I sprinted, and it seemed like I ran a mile, but it was more like 20 foot, and I just fell over exhausted. Oh, and I, the guy on the truck, he started laughing. He said, you mash your thumb? I said, you're in the wire, and he looked up and went, ooh, you know, and started screaming at the other guy, and they took me to the hospital, and I don't know, they gave me two or three days off to recover. Did you have any exits from when the power got you? I, I didn't have any marks. But it smoked the truck tires, the outriggers, the boom. So it just ran through you into the truck and grounded out at the tires? And it went up, and I can't remember if it was my right or left, but I remember it going up my arm and across my chest and out my other arm. But when I had touched it, I I tensed up. And when I did, my weight let that bar push free and break the connection. Otherwise, I'd probably just be sitting there like a squirrel. Does yeah. microwaves make you nervous now? <laughs> <laughs> like old jittery. <laughs> Not as much as making a cake fall at your house. <laughs> um, so you you got fried up there a little bit, survived it, How, and you were off work for two or three days? Yeah, I went back. That was, um, a lot of people don't know, but that was a really, really big mental struggle for me to just to try to get back yeah, yeah. the and, fatigue uh, after that too absolutely uh, was was very noticeable uh but you know fatigue and fatigue in kind of like my first physical fa- phys- <laughs> physical physical fatigue <laughs> to like it took something out of you out of your body or was it just mental fatigue that you were paranoid of your career not so much my career but i was paranoid of how do you get over the fear now Oh, you're good. Keep going. And uh, that it took quite a while to work through getting over going back up and getting a hold of it, knowing you got it. And where I worked, there were different voltages. So ours was primarily around 7,000, and then somewhere else on our service was 14,000. Well, when you work that stuff and you put those big heavy gloves on, if there's any moisture, like it, it'll still eat you up. Oh, like, yeah. you can feel it. it tracks. I mean, that shit'll jump from me to you, I guess. If it's yeah. Um, so how do you got? How do you guys know the voltage going into something? Well, before the job I mean, starts. I mean, I guess that's part of the whole 
lineman school, they teach you that shit, I guess. Yeah, and this is, that, that's a valid point. Um, before all that starts, they usually have a safety briefing that goes over, you know, what, what we're going to do here. This shit's well, hot. Right, it's hot. <laughs> what voltages it is. They got to check their personal protective stuff every day and make sure they don't have any holes in the gloves. Hole get you in the world and the hole take you out. That's what yeah. they say. <laughs> and, and sometimes you can sure, just live not, with one for a long time. I'm not sure where you're going with that. But, uh, <laughs> you waited until she left the room, didn't you? Yeah. Get your ass in her and get some supper. <laughs> oh, here she comes to make a sandwich. So, uh, yeah, so Don is like my best friend in the world. <laughs> oh, there she is. <laughs> so, so you got hit, and then how many years into the industry were you at? Do you think whenever you got st struck by that power? Oh, it'd have to be 06 or 07, I think, somewhere in there. So you're 10 years in or something? Seven. Seven years in. I did the math. Did you, Bill? So, thank hey, you, Bill. Did you <laughs> did you know other, other linemen that had been hit? No, not at that time. I mean, I think they had had another incident before, and it, it had, every time there's an incident in the industry, there's usually a pretty good investigation. You bet. And they've taken it to a new level where they're creating tools to help learn to, whether it be a contractor or a co-op or a municipality or, and they try to make it as safe as possible. They really do. Uh, ideally, in the end, it, you can't prevent everything. No, because it's yeah. work. Yeah. Right. And it's dangerous work. It's so. electric. Yeah. yeah, they're climbing poles yeah. and messing yeah. with power with I ice mean, on them. Exactly. There's not a way to make yeah, that 100 like safe. Some he made a comment while ago. Sometimes there's moisture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a hurricane, I've never seen one of them <laughs> stores that there wasn't some kind of moisture. We did a job right there in Hiawassee by the Hilton, and I think that Swepco or Empire. Yeah, Swepco. We changed pole out, and it was real foggy. We were. 20 yards from their stuff and that harness i had on it was just eating me alive like he's in a wasp nest and it was just tracking through that fog i guess you but it, it was chewing me man up. i've yeah, seen those man. boys in them helicopters y'all seen that oh yeah, yeah it's crazy that's crazy when they're those big high lines that are out there in the desert or whatever and or forests yeah Shit, right there in, right there in bentonville right oh, on yeah. 102 where they put the big galvanized poles up yeah they did helicopter work there hey, 20 years ago whenever we were building a sign Right there at that crossroads. I was deal. that guy. No, it was Joe, it was uh, Jim Townsend. He was building a sign. He said, "Man, I keep getting bit." He thought it, back that back then we were using corded screw guns, oh, and wow. he thought it was his screw gun. It was static electricity from them highline poles that were probably jumping twenty, thirty foot above us. But I mean, he was getting bit. I mean, not hard. I mean, it wasn't like blowing your goddamn socks off. But, <laughs> but I mean, he was getting bit. You know. And that's one of the reasons why they clear those lines or clear the trees out is because that power jumps from the lines into the tree. I mean, that's that's probably the most wasteful part of our power grid is is that jumping, right? Yeah, it, which most of the management stuff they have, it, it really, it doesn't let a whole lot go by. You know, they've got it so close anymore that, like, if you hit a pole with your car, they want that stuff off. It, you know, they... And naturally, there's different settings for different scenarios versus town or being out in the country. Right. But it it's 
they industry-wide, I think they do a great job protecting we, people. We just lost a transformer on Friday here. And, and you know, that thing pops and sounds like a bomb going off. Everybody <laughs> knows what's happening. What causes that? Just squirrels? Heat? Heat, heat can heat have... Vibrators? Any anything you'd be surprised what you run into in the middle of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Big old shower sparks. I think it's. I don't think we have that where I live. Skywashi may be a little different. You remember that song Sky Rockets in Flight? Boom. Nope. Absolutely (laughs) Nope. You guys need to live a little. So all right, so after you, after you get shocked, you you keep on keeping on. You're climbing poles. You're you got camaraderie with your team. Yeah. Um, I imagine y'all having danger in your life. You probably get pretty tight. Become a band of brothers. And it doesn't matter if you like a person or don't like them. In the end of the day, you always want them to go home. Right. It doesn't matter what kind of grudge you've got with each other. If you're working, you're working. And a lot of times that's. It's hard to differentiate when you go home. You're like during an ice storm. Uh, Wes, for instance, in the '09 ice storm, so I was. Wes used to be a lineman. No, no, sir. He, we he lived, He ain't climbing no pole. He, that's you know when he was talking pole. when he's talked about this this whole parents wanting you know watching him get the job and he wanted to get a job. I thought to myself like when I met Calvin, he was he was doing all this lineman stuff and you, you guys man, don't you, you can't even fathom. Like, I moved to Highfall, and I tell my wife, I said, honey, I don't think we should have moved out here. She said, why? I said, look at this poor kid. He's building his own car to drive to school. <laughs> and she's like, oh, that poor hard kid. Time. We call ha- that hard times. And this house is falling in on itself. Boy, he's out there just welding away, and I watch him. And this is the course of six, eight months, whatever. And finally, I stop, and I'm like, man, I, do you need a ride somewhere or something? He's like, oh, I'm building my rock crawler. I was like, oh, I thought that was your car. <laughs> well, man, he moved in out there, and I started hanging out with him. I was like, man, I want to change careers. This guy's got it going on, you know. And then he, he put all them boot things and climb a pole, and I was like, man, I, I don't think this gig's mine. You know, I think I'll <laughs> I like the way he said clum. Clum. He climbed climb a pole. pole. That's it. He, that's that's what, climb past tense. No, <laughs> no clum. Clum is fast. He did it fast. <laughs> I'm just saying that's climbing a pole, past tense, redneck. That's, that's right. And as a matter Not of Not climbed, but clum. Clum. Yeah. So, so he, actually, Calvin, you know, he, he, we're in deep in this lineman deal, but he moved in out there by me and it was, it was, uh, you know, I, I, we still had the dairy farm, didn't we, Calvin? Yeah. It was and, right uh, before you sold it. Yeah. So, uh, man, we became instant best friends. You know, I mean, it, we uh, we went hunting, we went fishing, we went trespassing, trespassing, <laughs> driving around just finding hey, we stuff. We talk do. about that. We found found a truck that backfired on command, and we oh. just drove around the block just having fun with that. I mean, you we shut we, the key off and turn it back on. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. that old mustard that? Chevy pickup. And uh, man, we just we was we was best that friends. That I mean, was harvest gold. No, no it was ugly. No. It was mustard. That was <laughs> mustard yellow. <laughs> and uh, boy. <laughs> we would we would drive around and just look for stuff to shoot, you know, and a different different area, different time, you know. And uh, boy, one time, I guess we're going to no, is it story time? Yeah, yeah we're going out. We're yeah. going out in a hole. I feel well, like Calvin, Joe Dirt eating ketchup <laughs> off my moon rock that night. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I trust down the road with that Indian and that. <laughs> I trust car. Calvin with my wife, but I wouldn't trust him with my best hunting spot. I can tell you that right now. He, uh, we was cruising down the road one day. He had a he was shooting 
a, a 270 Seiko, and I had just bought a T3 Tika and I got, got a, a, I got a, a Burris. Tika. I had a, It was a 270 short mag, and I had just put a Burris Signature Series scope on it, and we're just cruising down the road. Now they're they're going to know who done this. Yeah, yeah. Now you're just bragging. Oh, dude, it was, it was the most money I'd ever spent in my life on anything. And uh, we're cruising down the road, and we're drinking cold waters. And uh, Sody pops. <laughs> dude, all of a sudden, this old coyote. I mean, almost hits the truck. I mean, right in front of us. Oh. And we jump out, and we're kind of prairie. I mean, it's kind of open, big Bermuda field. Run out there to stop and just look sh- back at you. Yeah, I shouldn't say too much. <laughs> Calvin, he, he rolls down the window. I guess it's been a long enough time we can say that. So then he got out shit. and walked no, over no, 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 this, this gets West good. got out. I jump out of the opposite side of the truck, and I lean over the hood, okay? We're trying to beat each other because we're pretty quick, right? And all of a sudden, I hear, Boom. And this sucker's still standing there. I was like, heck yeah. You know, I got him now. He missed. And he starts yelling at me. Wes, Wes, don't, don't, don't. And I was like, I ain't listening. He's just trying to get the jail, the shell jacked in and get another shot. And I pull the trigger. And this coyote is still standing there. And we're both sitting there. I was like, what in the hell just happened? I mean, this is coyote's most lucky day. We shot <laughs> the second barbed wire on this fence. And I shot... The third barbed wire on this fence. <laughs> no, and this, a little high. <laughs> this, well, I was just—it was just right, yeah. you know. But we—he uh, got a pass that day. <laughs> he got a pass. It, yeah, and that, that fence but, stayed like that for ten years. <laughs> <laughs> we may, we may have went back and fixed it. I may drive by that from time to time, and I think about that—that that driving through there. But what is the chances that we shot two barbed wire bar bar this, this poor old boy's fence? See, I, had, I had a similar story with a buddy of mine. You know, we same deal. He jumped out and. Passenger side, and it was on my side. And he throwed <laughs> old 30 ox six, boom. I thought, damn, Billy, you're shooting a little high. Boy, he jacks down them, boom. He's shooting really high. Then I look out there at the hood, and he's just cutting furs. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, looking through the scope, you're yeah. up here, but the barrel's down here, and he's just cutting furs. Boy, it sure, it sure is nice. We've all grown out of shooting from the road, though. Yeah. Well, no, I, no, I there, there's, one, there's one that I, I believe I beat him, honestly, except for. We were in his mama's house, and his dad says, what is that on the back side of that 40? He said, is that a coyote? And his mom's making a cake in the house. Like, she's 10 minutes into it a 12-minute cake. It wasn't a one-egg cake, was it? Ten, 10 minutes into a 12-minute cake. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Pretty sure it was longer you than that. You could probably use that. Me and Wes take off at a mad dash for the pickup. Oh, he, the was Seiko. Running, he, he was running hotter than a hemorrhoid in an electric seat, buddy. And we get to the guns, and he's got the he's got me by five or six feet. Because my speed, I'm sweating bullets. He's he's turning and burning like a barrel racer going out through there. And before I, I clicked the safety off, and as the gun fell, before the crosshairs even got to him, I just squeezed the trigger and folded him up. And West goes, "You jerk!" And we start down there. And jerk. How See, far? that wouldn't have been the word that would come to my mind. How far did we get from him? And I just clipped him. And Wes was going to finish him off. And I think you shot two or three times at about 100 yards and still didn't hit him. Oh, was I'm he sure. Were by, by more barbed wire in the way or something. I, <laughs> I've got a serious question. How was the cake? Uh, I think collapsed. we were in a lot of trouble over that deal. It, it collapsed. Yeah. Uh, it <laughs> what went do you down call just that? like a one that did. <laughs> <laughs> he felled the tree and you <laughs> felled the cake. I think it was his. I, I, to this day, it was, it was all Calvin's fault. It wasn't my fault. Well, yeah. So for our <laughs> listeners, we got the journeyman. Uh, podcaster in here with us, Wes Evans. You know, he's he he 
fits in the seat for us. Journeyman lineman. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> well, Wes, Wes comes in, and, and Wes has become probably one of our biggest producers because he produces talent mm-hmm. for the show. So we want to thank Wes for being here. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate you giving me a title. Yeah, you're producer. Yeah, you're right. So you should, you should get him an award. Producer. Participation. Yeah, well, you got, you got a better title than I got. So uh, HMIC. We got we got me and Joe got shut off of whiskey drinkers from that one one podcast we did, I think. Yeah. Man, well, I tend to, we got a little churchy there for a little bit, but we're hey, we're coming back. <laughs> we're so, coming back. So uh I've lost a lot of friends over them last three or four weeks, but they'll be back. Uh, hell we got They're praying for us like an Australian boomerang. <laughs> Hell yeah! So you you continued your job. You had a relationship with your employer. You had a relationship with your fellow coworkers. You guys relationship hung out. with this beautiful wife. Relationship with your beautiful wife. How long have you been married? Oh, you're gonna make me do math. Close, on, plus on there, or minus. Uh, it'd be twenty two. Be twenty two this year. How many horses has been through the relationship? Too many. <laughs> like too many. She's a. Uh, she gathers animals. So she likes horses. She yeah. loves horses. Oh. I was going to get... Is there any Mustangs in the mix? We've had Mustangs. We've had hypoallergenic horses. We've had gated horses. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Hypo, <laughs> hypoallergenic that don't make you sneeze? Or... Yeah. Yeah. What what breed is that? GMO, they call them. Uh, what is... She used to bring home a horse, go to, you know, the horse trader deal. She'd go to an auction, buy a horse because they needed to make a payment or something. Yeah. And then she would ride this sucker until it was just dead broke with her on it 30 minutes yeah and then she would tell me she says you know calvin's job he can't really get hurt and i really need a a, a male to get on this horse and ride it you, you guys know? ready for this I'm here ready. it comes and so so she said i said well okay well i can probably find you somebody and she says well would you do it <laughs> boys i ain't i wear cowboy boots but i'm far from a cowboy okay <laughs> i roped a calf a time of two out of a back of a truck but never off a horse and so of course when a pretty tall long-legged lady asks you if you'll ride a horse shoot i can do anything and so i i hop on this old horse and i slung my old foot over i said i feel like this happened more than once and them dudes always shot like a damn rocket yeah i i I, I, shin the moon is what i always like to call it well i've been throwing off more of her damn horses some of them might look at there. There's one on TV. That's that old guy cutting out across. He all missed out. That dude got hooved right in the mouth. We call that kick Arkansas. Cactus. And I'll have to say, Wes did a fabulous job trick riding. Is he? He is a side trick rider. Look at me, no one. You'd think I could hold them down, you know, but no, they can still buck with my, my little they still butt off. Oh, yeah. So we're going to grab a hold of the story of your wife here. I think it ties into where we're, where we're positioned in this story. So at some point, right, right down the road or around this region, there was a storm, and you went out on a call, and that's where that one second took place. Yeah. Just... To the best of your memory, describe that day leading up to what happened. Oh, gosh. That's something nobody's asked me, I don't think. I honestly don't. It was, I think I remember seeing Wes that day, or one of those days. Yep. Out in Hopewell. You want me to start it there? Uh, Go ahead, Wes. Start starting, and we'll have him pick up. So I'm trying to remember what year it was. 
What year was that, Calvin? Nineteen. So we had a tornado roll through, uh, right through, right through, Highful, Highful, and uh, went right through my parents' place, hit both their farms, and went down, and and it, the path just took everything that that I was acquainted with, you know, and, and I had a hired hired guy, one of my best friends, went over there and and hit his trailer house, and uh, mm. a couple days after that cleanup was going on power lines down everywhere uh my buddy calls and, and i had cattle i needed worked kicked out and i called him i was like man is there any way you can get over here to just we'll get these worked and i said the rain's coming in <clears throat> and he says why well, I, I can't do that he said i got a tree fixing to fall in my house and i was like well cattle can sit here so i i was going over there and i was driving a backhoe down the road <laughs> and i see somebody walking up ahead of me across the across the road and and I thought to myself, and now I'm a half a mile away. And I was like, I recognize that walk. You know that? I know that old boy. And uh, looks sure like enough, he's had a colonoscopy before. <laughs> <laughs> and they left the tube in. So uh, sure enough, I got up there, and it was it was Calvin, and he had a had crew of guys. He was he was showing around and, and going around fixing everything. And and, uh, and I mean, it was disaster. There's trees down everywhere. The whole road highway was shut down. You couldn't even get through there. So I, I uh, stopped and talked to him for, man, probably two minutes. It was it was brief, you know, and and he said, well, he said these old boys are going to park right here, and I got to go up and and find the next spot we're going, and uh, I said, well, okay. He said, yeah, I'll, I'll radio back, you know. He said, just hang out with them for a little while, and uh, they kind of helped me a little bit while he was he was gone, and and uh, they left. And sure enough, you know, he was he was headed the direction it was, and uh, you know, so that was next time. Uh, next time I seen Calvin was was a hospital bed in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, and uh, do you remember that? Do you remember seeing Wes? Man, the most vivid thing I remember is the little girl holding the teddy bear that was a ghost. And I'm not even joking. I don't know whether it was the drugs they had me on or what, but I'm telling you there was a little girl there talking to me. In the hospital? Yep. And she's one of the very few things. I remember her. I remember my wife's best friend because she came in and she held my hand, and at that time I couldn't see or talk. And I remember her calluses, and I knew, I knew whose hand it was because she rides horses, and she's got rough hands. That's one of the few people that i can remember through the whole stay so, so what what happened that day yeah let's fill in the gap so okay so i remember seeing wes <clears throat> and we went down what road is that she had it on rocky comfort rocky comfort road and there was a house up on the hill and we did a, a emergency plan tailgate whatever safety top right tells us now i told the guys who were with me they're from kansas you know you talk about kansas guys sunshine sunflowers sons of bitches well they dang sure didn't bring anybody knows how to cut down a tree in there you know? <laughs> they got <laughs> trees and, <laughs> what and you know that? you can you can look at it that way but i also elected to take the dangerous duties you because I didn't, yourself. I didn't want to see those guys get hurt and be 500 miles from home. You know, that's they're like, well, who's climbing that? Well, I am. I can get it. No, I don't want you getting hurt and having to your wife drive down here. And there's always, 
joking going on, you know, if if something happens, whatever. We we go over the tailgate and we see there's a couple spans down. No, no, you and, do, there's a couple of spans down. What's that mean? So the spans are between. Poles. It'd be wire. You got a hot wire and a uh, be like a ground wire for most people. Right. And it goes pole to pole, and each distance between the poles is a span. Well, okay. There was two or three spans of wire down. And you have a communications line that goes under them. And it's got a steel core with your Cat 5 or some coax on it. You know, generally nothing. And when it breaks, it usually breaks the poles at that cable because the steel is not going to break. Right. It does. but And we go around the other side, and we've got ground chains on so we can't get electrocuted. And there's a pull up on the hill, and there's two big red oaks. Or a white oak and red oak, probably 20 inches across, maybe. And it's fallen on the communication line. Now, it's still in, bottom line. It's still intact. Did the you? two electric lines are not attached. They're broken. They're, we'll put them up in a little bit. So we have to get the tree off. And the only way to do that is to cut it off. So I start the first log. I get it cut loose and cut it into chunks, and you know so it you're, moves. You're firing up a chainsaw, at this right? Point. Yeah. Now I got the chainsaw and I cut this first tree off the line, and it's it's got the big tree on it still, and it's got the poles pulled in like a bow and arrow. The first one's cut off. The second one I go cut. I cut down on towards the bottom of the hill, so it's got a it's broke free Somewhere when I go. cut the top of it. And I remember looking down through there, and it was a straight line from pole to pole, and the communication line was pushed right down to the ground. I mean, it wouldn't, when it comes up, it ain't going right, it ain't going left, it's just going to come up. Yep. And so I start cutting on the top of it. Well, it pinches my saw. Well, that happened. So I asked that Kansas guy, I said, hey, uh, you run down and get, get your saw for me. He said, yeah. He took off, come back, give it to me. And I start cutting the top of it. It pinches the saw. So here I got two saws pinched now, which means the log's cut, you know. Mm-hmm. And this guy says, he's standing just down the hill from me, and I'm five or six foot up the hill from it. And the other guy's tracing the wires out for us. He's way on down the line. And the second saw gets hung up, and it, I think his name was... I can't remember. He says, what are you going to do to get that saw out? I said, well, I'm going to reach over and grab that log, and I'm going to throw it. And then I remember seeing this guy, and I remember setting up in a brush pile, and I had blood all over me. And I was like, well, this isn't good. You know, I'm checking things. How's your back? Your back's fine. Your legs are fine. I'm I'm feeling my face, and I'm like, well, that might be a little bit different. So, I, so what happened was, is you threw the log on top of that tree. It broke, and since that wire was loaded, it launched it up and caught you. Didn't even get to the log. Just simply stating that I was going to get the log, it broke loose on its own. No, so you, didn't, you didn't get a chance to throw the log. No, and that so, I was standing up the hill away so, from it. So did just, the line hit you? The line hit me right underneath the chin, and it. It goes kind of parallel, right straight back with the jawbone to about right in here. So, so just behind your ear, find your right right jaw, right below your ear. Yeah. And so the tension of that wire was loaded, right? Mm-hmm. And right. it's like, it's like poles. Oh, looking over a 
but you know, like a compound bow. They said it threw me about 30, 40 foot in the air. Holy cow. Wow. So the line popped up from the tension being released from yep. the tree, and it caught you on the chin and the jaw, and it threw you yep. 30 feet. In the air. In the Let's air. Let's see that photo. I don't remember how far distance well, was. I never went back and measured it. Doesn't matter far up or down or over. It's right. still a, a long way. So but it's just, just like the a huge tension knife that hit you right that. under the chin. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I always want oh. to go back and look for my teeth, though. Oh, they're probably huh. still there. Did you have feelings? Because I got a metal detector. Oh, man. A lot of feelings. Man, uh, <laughs> Treasure them, though, because they're way better than what I got now. Fully fully conscious, too. Yeah. So you, I, never, you never passed out not that this whole deal. So I remember gathering my face up, and I had I was probably loopy. I remember struggling to get my feet under me, get going, tangling right. up and brush, whatever it was. So you were on the ground at this point? Yes, on my butt in a brush pile, right. holding mm-hmm. my face. And I'm getting up 30 but, feet away. But before, but before this happened, you were still on the ground? Yeah. And the guy that was there, he said, what do I do? And somehow, I can't remember, I think I uttered to him, go read the sheet, which is our safety procedure, more or less. If if the listeners could see the picture that we just watched, it, for you it's to like speak. Taking a, it's like taking a knife under your chin, from the middle of your chin to your right ear, and just Peeling ripping it, it straight up. Yep. You know, first responders, they've seen a lot of crap, you know, a lot of stuff, and... and uh, I, I talked to some of those guys that showed up on that deal, and they found out that me and Kevin was, Calvin was buddies, and and they're like, dude, that man was sitting on a log with his face missing, texting his wife, mm. like like it was nothing. And uh, you know, I've I've seen him do some stuff before that, you know, he's 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 a tough sob, you know, always has been, but. There's no way you can be that tough, you know. I mean, it, it just the shock of everything that happened, just and the adrenaline. I, I oh don't, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. Hundred percent. You you can't explain. Yeah. You can't explain that. Either that or he's part Mexican. <laughs> you know, sometimes. Yeah. You know, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> if the sombrero fits, <laughs> you must wear it, my son. <laughs> well, you know, I would say. Calvin, from being a hunter, you you had shot things, you'd shot deer, and you had seen the trauma that went through, and it blew your mind how that animal could keep on keeping on. Just like that, that day with that cake deal. Yeah. And you thought, oh, God damn, that's the shit that old coyote was thinking. Yeah. And so you had just gotten to that trauma, but but that that natural shoot of adrenaline that runs through your body only lasts so long right right and, and i mean i remember i i was trying to tell them and i don't remember how i got it done but i told them to use the radio you know call for help and the phone started ringing so i swiped it and handed it to one of them and uh, i walked down the hill and just sat down because i knew there'd be an ambulance and for whatever reason um there was one literally minutes away been out on a call, so you had no, but them. you had no idea no. what your face looked like. No, nope, I'm just sitting there holding it, and I never really thought, you know, man, I'm, I'm in trouble here. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, well, I get some stitches, yeah. I go back to work day or two and get some more electric on. You know, you're, you're. you're I'm, I'm sure you're trying to talk to them, right? Oh like, yeah. Could you talk? 
There's I, no, did, I don't did you remember. see the picture? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Could you talk? Well, Boys, Mel Tillis can obviously, sing. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, I mean, from the pictures that you just showed me, there was no way you could talk. But I, you, I remember but you texting. Said, like, I texted the paramedic and told him no allergies. Um, I had a spleen removed years ago. You know, the normal stuff. Keeping I'm, it all together. I'm Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> and, hey, I'm... Cr- Christian times two. <laughs> and one of the guys there, I, I, I remember telling him, my wife, don't let her drive. And it took forever to get it explained to him because I so, didn't want her panicking. For the listeners, he just hand gestured by pointing to his ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then gestured a driving motion. And no. And no. no. He, he didn't want her to drive because of the panic she was going to go through. Oh, and she drives. I mean, she's panicked when she normal drives. You know, I, <laughs> I pity the guy, which that, that's coming. There's a guy rode with her to Springfield, and I guess he's white and not coherent the whole ride. But, so they, they put you in the old Bama Lance. Yeah, and they I take get, you to local hospital? Well, I get set down back there, and this is when you're still trying to figure out, you know, how bad is it? And the paramedic says, okay, look. I've got to stop the bleeding a little bit, so I've got to put this wound powder. You know the stuff you see oh, in yeah. the old War War yeah. movies. The yeah. legs gone, they throw wound powder. I'm like, yeah, you're okay. So that that's at that point where it starts hurting. Not yet. I'm still in no pain, and the doors are open. And one of the guys that I work with starts walking up this way, and the paramedic says, "All right, take your hand down. Let me put this powder on there." And I remember lowering my hand down. And I felt it pull on my face weird was so that joe was, phillips shit was falling down yes it was joe phillips it was i've talked to joe phillips about your incident and the look on joe's face joe just, joe just turned around and that's kind of when i realized that this I'm might in, this I'm may in not trouble. work out yeah i'm not coming back to work tomorrow can i tell you a brief little sidebar sure I've seen Joe Phillips' face like that a time or two in my life for some stuff Joe that Phil- I've done. Joe Phillips <laughs> slept on his shitty underwear one day. <laughs> so, there's a, we'll get into that later. But we're in we're in the dramatic part of this story. So so they put the blood stop on you. Are the paramedics? They're calm, I guess. Yeah, he's it's just normal for him. He's like, all right, man, this blood powder's on you. All right, hold this on there. He said you'll be all right. And we turn around. I remember getting back to. Two, is it 264 by the airport there? Yep. And he said, all right, we're going to stop right here. He said, I, I've got to give you some morphine. He said, you're starting to shake. and You need some. I was like, okay. He's like, you feel it? And I was like, no. And he's like, how about now? Nope. He's like, well, I can't give you any more. So just hang on. And we drive. And my wife beats us there the best I can remember. She's already there. I don't know how fast she drove. But... Uh, and everybody in the whole hospital, like this place is shut down. It, it's like a two-year-old throwing a tantrum in the middle of Walmart. The whole place is shut down, and there I am sitting, and you got like 10 or 12 faces all going. Mm-hmm. Can't believe You know, it. with the jaw dropped. Your jaw was dropped, too. Mine was, but not <laughs> yeah. really the way I wanted it. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyways, they said, we're going to cut your underwear and your pants off. I was like... Uh, I can just take them off, guys. It's okay. I shucked them off, and that's when, that's like the last thing I remember for a while. And my wife said they knocked me out, and she said anytime she had to leave, because anytime she'd talk, I'd try to wake up. Mm. And they finally got me, I guess, put on a helicopter and flew me up to Springfield and um, stabilized me, 
waited two or three days to do the first surgery, kind of get a game plan. They couldn't find anyone that would was willing to try to put me back together. They didn't know what kind of approach. I mean, you hear a lineman getting hurt, most of the time they get shocked mm-hmm. and die, you know, or the helicopter lineman, once in a while one of them will get hurt. But you never think, well, he got hit in the face with a wire? How's that happen? At right. a high rate of speed. I mean, he looked good. From a distance. <laughs> no, you good. So the, so the injury was what? Uh, originally, the injury was, I think both jaws were broke. And there was a break, right? You can kind of see this. Yeah, this right, right, right here. Right About the middle of my chin. chin. My jaw, my lower jaw was broken. It crushed all this. Orbitals. All my cheeks were. So obviously you were looking to your left down the line, I guess. Oh yeah, I was looking this yeah. way to the left, and it caught me underneath. Because I can bottom. almost see where. Yeah. Well, there's two scars because they had to put a full plate in the bottom, and that's the worse scar than the first scar. But uh, so they put a plate in. You lost your chompers. Let me go back because they left it. This is. While they were getting their game plan, they wired my jaw shut, hoping they could shut me up, and it didn't work, <laughs> I think. And they had put metal plates, so they went to do a surgery, got their game plan, and they put the metal plates in my cheeks. And then they put metal plates on both of my jaws and wired my jaw shut. And I think I was like that till almost Christmas. Yeah, and... If I remember and, and right, this happened when you didn't. They didn't fix your t- busted teeth at the time. No, they? not at the time. They were oh, all yeah, still probably, there. It was that's probably the last thing. Well, it was just, all still wired. Yeah. Just imagine with your jaw shut and your teeth all shattered in your mouth for that long. Oh, the I intense mean, pain. I mean, they was just trying Gingivitis. to get it back together. Not Gingivitis sets in. So when did that? When did this happen? Gosh, so man. this is right. This is like the first surgery where they put a small plate in my chin and the plates on my cheeks and the plates on my jaws and wired it shut to give it time to heal, you know, hopefully the bone would take back and, and do its thing. But So this happened what month of the year? October, the rut, more or less, right during the rut, you know. <laughs> Everything, <laughs> Everything goes back to us. Yeah, I guarantee <laughs> you, like, we had a daughter up. <laughs> yeah. First of November, I'm like, you realize what this does, don't you, honey? She's I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, you're, you're going to care because when I'm gone and you have a birthday party, and she goes, where's Dad? Well, he's killing deer, honey. It's the rut. <laughs> said, that's, it's that's hard to explain. So, wow. so I have a, a lot of love. We all have a lot of love for those uh, trauma nurses, doctors. Show that, show who, that Joe. Who can piece people back together and plug holes and, and do all that stuff do you do you recall the doctor that did that was a and don't quote me because like I said I don't remember a lot of it um, he was a like a plastic surgeon but he was like yeah I'll, I'll throw a dart at it man so did you get new tits in there? I thought about it well, when your jaws shut up like that, does it make you want to have you a strawberry shake enema or something just to break it up? <laughs> Boys, I'm over here. I'm trying or... to piece this deal together, and y'all are falling off the rails. <laughs> so, <laughs> Calvin, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be serious here. So, so you he can't be serious. So a doctor took a chance on it because it was something. I mean, this isn't 
standard protocol. No, the they, way you're broke up. Right, and this is one of those emergencies. And there, they I guess they made several phone calls: Fayetteville, Springdale, Tulsa, wherever they called. And so they get this guy, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, let, let's try it, man." He said, "I think I can do this," and I'm forever, forever grateful. Um, I mean, he did a great job. He so seriously, that was the first surgery. And because he worries about cosmetics, he treated me, and I, I broke it down to him in redneck terms. And I said, he said, "Do you want a trach?" And I said, "Does it make your job easier?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Then do it." I said, "Anything that helps you will benefit me." And he just looked at me. He's like, "I've never had anybody tell me that." And I was like, "I just want you to be able to do your work." Yeah. And he's like, "All right." So they get it lined up. I wake up, and this is, yeah, I can't talk. Because I got a trach, and I, they got my hands tied down. I guess this whole so you don't so you don't bullshit out. Every surgery, I wake up out of anesthesia early. Violent, not always violent. But like, just I, wake up. I, I was mm-hmm. getting shots in the face one time, and woke up. And he's like, "You feel that?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, be still." I was like, "Ah." <laughs> he's like, "Does it hurt?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> you know, so, and I wake up and I can't see. Can't, can't talk. See. Panicking. Can't see, can't talk. Full blown. Like grown man in a small hole, scared to death. Mm-hmm. You think you're dying. I mean, you don't know what's going on. There's nobody in you there. You think you've died. You're in recovery and you can't see and you can't talk. And I guess somehow I managed to separate the bottom of the bed from the rest of it. So they had to get me another bed. And they finally got me calmed down. My wife's like, his eyes are not supposed to be blue. And they're like, oh, yeah, his eyes were always blue, honey. She's like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Your eyes change color? Yeah. And as this, as this proceeds, I, I, can't, I can't see and I can't talk. So I'm, I'm trying to tell my wife on a whiteboard with a marker. And naturally, men don't have real pretty handwriting most of the time anyways. So imagine being blind and trying to write. I don't know what I spelled some days. Yeah. And so... That's about the only way I could communicate with her. And I'd always tap her and I'd do this because I wanted somebody to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And she'd always tell me the time drove her crazy. I loved it. And uh, she was ready to choke me every time. I'd, so you, what time so is that it? didn't mean what time was. What time is it, honey? And she'd tell me. I'd wake her up in the middle of the night. I didn't know what time it was. Just to have yeah, communication. Yeah, because you'd been in there yeah. for... I couldn't see, couldn't talk. And so they get a guy to come finally come look at my eyes, and they're like, oh, yeah, he's got trauma cataracts from the surgery. Trauma cataracts. And he had went down because of the cosmetic part. Mm-hmm. The braces in my cheeks, he had went down through my eye socket or through my eyelids to, to install them. Mm-hmm. And during the process, he scratched the corneas. Oh, gosh. And caused trauma cataracts. That makes your eyes turn color. Yeah, just like cataracts. Yeah, like dogs and stuff. I, I when guess. They start I going blind. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. I've never heard of that. They like fog over. Yeah, they turn color. I mean, I've mm-hmm. seen a blind dog. Or, That's the same. It's like, it's like the cataracts of yeah. the dog. But I've never seen it turn blue. And so the eye doctors, they said, we can't do anything with them. You're borderline that age, anyways. You're going to get them. And this is back to work comp. That's a whole lot. If you guys ever have one of those episodes, you let me on here. Um, so they they say, okay, yeah, he's got cataracts. So I just got to let it ride out. So for, I, don't, I can't remember, it was a week. It seemed like eternity. 
mm-hmm. because there was no relation to daylight, no relation to time. You just Golly. couldn't see I, nothing. I mean, no light just, or nothing. And you you always watch those shows like Alone or Naked yeah. Afraid, and they're like, "Well, your own worst enemy is you." And you're like, huh, whatever, I'd kill that if I was out there, you know, eating bear <laughs> poop. And then when you're laying in the hospital bed and you're like, I can't talk and I can't see, what the hell do I do? And you start breaking down and you're like, maybe I couldn't make it. You know, maybe if I was helpless all by myself, maybe it wouldn't. And, and this sets in motion a lot bigger perspective as we move down the line with the injury, too. My vision never got better. They said that they finally came back and said I didn't have any cataracts, even though I've got documentation, and I can't see real great anyways. Besides that, they are so worried about the minute things that they they struggled to fix what I had wrong. They they didn't want to... They They did their best to help, but they didn't... I don't feel I was in their best interest a lot of times. Calvin, at, uh, towards the beginning of this show, you talked about the little girl. Yep. And th- that struck something in me because uh, when I was just out of high school, I had a buddy that was in a pretty horrific four-wheel drive accident and um, brain swelling, all of this stuff, and he was in a coma for a, for a long period of time. And he, too, had a little girl. And he was in a coma for months. And whenever he came out of this coma, he was the little girl. And what had happened to him, the doctor said, was that inside that same room that he was in, there was two beds in there, and there had been a girl that had been abused real bad. And he'd been hearing, and he had been listening to this conversation about this little girl. This is what they said, right? Right. Now, I'll get into this because I want to hear your little girl. This little girl had been over there, and she wound up passing away. And so, when he came out of the coma, he thought he was her, and he talked about the abuse that he had been through, and all that. And at the same, once he popped out of this deal, it was like night and day. Suddenly he popped out and he was back to being him. But while he was in the coma, his grandfather had died. And he asked his mother to go over to the closet and grab the fishing poles that his grandpa had put in there because him and his grandpa were going fishing. And since he was in such a uh, a broken up state, she didn't want to tell him that his grandpa had passed away. Mm -hmm. And years went by. And talking to him, he vividly remembered oh. this little girl, and he vividly remembered his grandpa said, when we're you get out fishing. of here, we're going fishing. Mm-hmm. And so you said that you seen this little girl. Tell me about the little girl. She's the one that I remember. Like, she's the most out of some of the characters. Really vivid. Like, I can remember her standing. And this is the time that I couldn't see either. Couldn't see, couldn't talk. So I, mm-hmm. it, it all, and like I said, it may have been the drugs I was on, for all I know. But she was standing in the doorway with a little teddy bear in like a 70s, 80s little dress, just standing there. She was comfort? Yeah, she just stood there in the door. She never never said nothing, never. 
course, you couldn't see, so you're right. but you're in, in your mind. You can right. see, right? Yeah. And I can see this, and I'm thinking, well, how does this work? You know. And right. I to this day, she was there, hundred percent. So, did she give you peace? I don't know that she got me anything, honestly, other than she was just there, just a memory. Uh, but it was a visual memory, right? And maybe that maybe that was my brain saying, no, exactly. we, we want you to relate something visually. Who knows? Right. You know, God works in mysterious but so, ways. So you're in there. I mean, you can't hear. I mean, you can't speak. You can't see. I mean, was your was your memory still active to where you're 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 remembering your wife and your kids? Oh, and yeah. That kind of stuff? Yeah. I never lost sight of that. In fact, that's that's a major focus oh, in yeah. my life now, um, by all means. So let's so let's bump that up. At at what point were you able to? Well, see let me it? let me grab let me grab a gear. At what point did you think you were going to give up? We're not there yet. Yeah, so through we're, we're, this, we're, we're still cruising along just fine. You're we're, cruising. Wait, you're hey. cruising along, and and you. In your mind, you think you, I got. You, this. you still have this whole support system. Okay, you're still in the hospital. You still have all these guys that you work with that are swinging by, and all these friends that you, a lot you of know, support. The people you've impacted in your lives coming by to say, "Man, I'm I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you," and I'm forever grateful for every one of them. And, and you're wife, looking at that. You're looking at that. Them can't talk. Yeah, and I told my wife. She said, "I like reading your Facebook post." She said, "Cause you make no sense whenever you're in the hospital." She said, "It's terrible." She said, "But you're trying to thank everybody," mm -hmm. and so. All these people are still so much involved in your life, still talking about work and what you guys got coming up, and you're, you know, it's all still going strong and everything's going great. And then you go home to let the wire heal, and you start drinking your food for I, I, six weeks or whatever it was, I don't remember. And your jaw starts hurting. Well, the plates weren't holding. So and they said, "All right, well, let's replace the jaw." Well, I'm going to tell you that that surgery is terrible. Like, I've never been more replace your jaw. Never been more embarrassed in my life as a grown man. That that's another another little tidbit. While I was blind in the hospital, they, some kid come in and give me a sponge bath. I don't know what I look like. I was naked, couldn't see. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I asked him. I just held my hand out and I wrote soap. I knew he was there. He went storming out. Told my wife said. He won't let me help him. <laughs> oh, you were going to take yeah. the soap? And my wife come in and help me. But I, I didn't mean to get sidetracked. I no. I forgot about no, that. We, that's, that's just one of those that's... little funny tidbits to yeah. throw in there. So he thought you didn't want him. You, did, he didn't, yeah. you didn't want him touching you. Yeah. I just wanted soap. <laughs> right. So. Man, I, well, well as, as a strong so. man that you had been for your whole life, you get to the point of weakness when you can't fix it. And that's where the mental breakdown starts. That, to... that is a really, really big positive aspect on that. I mean, that is 100% like we're men, you know. Everybody's, I'm, I'm a manly man. I can change my own tires. I can grow a beard, cut wood, whatever. When it comes down to it, a man's not what he does. It's how he does it. How do you yeah. take care of your family? A man exactly. takes care of his family. He'd do anything in the world for his wife and kids. And... Whenever, I got to regroup for a second. Whenever you present that and you're, it's held in front of you and you go from being fat kid, 220 pounds, getting hit in the face, and now you weigh like buck 70, 
and you can't open pickles. You don't have a callus you're left not, on your hand. You've you're never, not the guy that you used to be. Yeah, you, 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 I'd never felt another callus before because I've always had calluses. So when my wife's friend came in and held my hand, I knew it was her because I could feel all her calluses. My hands were soft. I'd never felt anything in my life like that. I understand. And, so, and that's, that's something that's, that's just crazy for people. I know. Yeah, I mean, and and for me being in the construction industry, I mean, there was years that I worked out in the field. I did, I mean, and then to do a little something in the yard, and you I get think, a blister, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what it was. Didn't know I didn't know what the hell. What the hell? What have I? What the hell? I've I've hurt something, you know, and it's it it was a it was a callus, and I'm thinking, and. That just that bothered me to to think, damn it, am I getting that damn soft? I'm in an office mm-hmm. for twenty years. I'm am I getting that damn soft? Yeah. I mean, because I guarantee you, you boys, we'll go out and dig a ditch, all three of us. We wouldn't last an hour. I got it. Aaron's got it. He's riding bicycles. I still do shit like that. You still dig ditches? So <laughs> I need a ditch dug in my house. So uh, build fences I, on the side. <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you're coming but, from. Yeah, I mean, it is, I I feel it as well. You, you don't you don't look at it in that point in your life, right? And when you're right in there, when right, you're right you, in the you, thick of things, right? You don't see it as I've taken a step down. You know, you're you're thinking you're still thinking, man. I'm, hey, I'm gonna heal up. I'm I, gonna go to work. I'm going back to work tomorrow. I'm going right back, and then. It it all just keeps cascading, and everything you've done as a man of the house, you know, and you're like, "Hey, hun, uh, it, it it's like twenty degrees out. You want to get? Oh yeah, she, that way you don't have to go out because man, the metal in your face, that stuff is like a magnet. Oh yeah, cold, cold. And so if See, I wouldn't even thought of that. If it's freezing out, I'm like lemon a dime, buddy. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-mm. So just an ache in your face, I guess. Oh, every front, every storm, every day of you my know, life. You know what's coming before 4029 yeah. does. So, so you you go and you tell them, say, well, this jaw is hurting bad. And they're like, oh, I tell you what. Here's another one of those cosmetic doctors. They do a great work. But I think they could do different on working class that don't, you know, that aren't as worried about scars and stuff. And maybe they just have their own ways. So they go in through your ear to replace your jaw. Whoa. Through your ear. Yeah, they make an incision on the inside of your ear, and they stretch that thing down there. And then you have the trigeminal nerve that comes out of the side of your face. Mm-hmm. And it comes out right there by your ear. And this is one of those nerves. It's like a little sister when she's about 13 years old. Just any little thing will set her off. And, mm-hmm. and the doctors will tell you that. They're like, they don't like to be messed with, and that's why part of my face still doesn't move. You look yep. this left. This left forehead is, and I've got a little bit of it back, but those nerves, buddy, they pulled that open and cut the bone out and put the jaw, you know, in there. And I woke up, and I was like, no big deal. Well, they'd, I think they had me on fentanyl oh, at God. the time for that and one. And we've all and heard it, of that. It, yeah, it was just Everybody's a patch. Everybody's heard of that. Yeah. It was a patch, and you had to wear gloves, and you, you couldn't tell it was there. I'm sure I couldn't tell I was on it. By that point, I'd had so much stuff. Right. But when that fentanyl wore off, buddy, I sat on the couch screaming at the top of my lungs, bawling with my wife trying to get a hold of a doctor to see what she could do. 
And all I could scream at her was to look away. I didn't want her to see me in that kind of pain, mm -hmm. screaming, you know, vulnerable, I guess. It would right. be a good word you for bet. it. Yeah. Because your whole life you've been over her. You're, you've been the guardian of the family. And now the all of a sudden, look at you at 1 o'clock in the morning, crying on the couch like a little kid. But, man, the pain was so intense. So we moved forward now, and they're like, well, you're good to go now, you know. And I'm like, well, okay, yeah, my other jaw is starting to hurt. And they're like, well, we'll get it in the books. And it got to the point I couldn't move. Like, I couldn't talk. I couldn't breathe. It, The screws had come out of those little pieces of metal, wiggled loose over time. Everything you did just... Bang. And it, it was just coming apart. So they were like, they put a rush on it to take care of me. And Are you still local at that time, or are you going back to Springfield? So this was a guy out of Rogers that did the jaw replacement. And he worked with my prosthodontics guy, a prosthesis, or whatever they call the guys right. that make the teeth. Which is crazy shit, because most oh. people don't know how to put a face back together. Right? right. And so we get that done. I can't remember if the plate went with that jaw or if they waited till they did this jaw. And that was a whole nother, like, six weeks of just misery. You're just so miserable. You don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to do anything. Your face is swelled up. I'm sure my wife's got a plethora of pictures, you know, she'd always post. And Do you know she loves you through this whole thing? Well, I do. I love her to death, and I'm forever grateful for everything she's ever provided. And from this point on, I support her in her decisions. We've kind of changed roles a little bit since I'm not as able to do everything I used to want to do. And I've lost the luster for some things, too. Mm -hmm. I, I could only imagine, you know, back to that man card. Yeah. Um, it's something that we carry with us. And, and you, you start building that thing from elementary school through high school. You, you're you're getting more and more manly when yeah. you went from an apprentice to a journeyman you got a little bit more cards in your deck yeah. you could speak up then yep. you, you weren't little man on the stick you, you, you moved you, up the ladder you're carrying all of these feathers in in your headband and then that one second they start pulling feathers out of there and the role which is pretty common on our show of, of being the man you're at your weak point and that's the same thing that any warrior feels who gets injured right because they're no longer on the battlefield and and i can definitely relate because their battlefield's no different than a lineman working out in the field i mean it, it's the same thing it's a work zone to, to them it's work here it's work and now you're to that point in the story where you not only were you're that guy that you're weak now. Your wife's helping you. You do the best you can, helping her, helping the kids. And the whole time, you're still taking all these medicines also. These medicines keep compounding. And the side effects of these medicines during all this surgery, What when everybody says, and this anybody that's ever been hurt severely probably has a different outlook on it. But the couple of people I know... When you get hurt like that, everybody says to you, how you doing today, man? Hey, how you doing, bud? How you I'm doing? Good. How you feeling? Mm -hmm. And you get so, so, so how many surgeries? 
I think this at this point we're only three or four in. I I don't know. I I couldn't tell you. I'd have to ask my wife honestly. So they're they're constantly t- repeating the same lines, right? And so, well, I done skip track there. You'll have to start. So around. what it was was it, the, the you, number of surgeries. You're you're talking about how many surgeries you've had? Uh, so you you were actually you were having friends come by and how you doing? Right. Man? How and, you doing? Okay. So and this is where your your wall kind of starts. And maybe it's just a personal wall. And one of the guys I know that got hurt pretty bad recently, I talked to him in person. And for him to tell me some of the things that he said, you know, it's stuff that you don't, you don't, you never told your wife. You never told your kid. You never told your doctor because you don't want, you don't want people to look down on you. So as you're in this recovery mode and you're still bouncing around, these people start dropping out of your life. And this was a big one for me. Really hard to swallow because my whole life was in one place. Everything I'd ever known was in one place. And this giant support network, you kind of fade and you get, you know, it pushes away. It's life. Everybody moves on. You're not there every day. You just keep going. The new wears off. Right. Your old buddy got hurt. Yeah. New wears off. We're going to go on. And then there, here you are still sitting there and you go from talking to people you've talked to for 10 years on the phone. And the phone's quiet now. You're talking to yourself. And you're talking to yourself. And you're frustrated. And your kid says something. And I'm going to tell you, I was an asshole of a father. The worst father imaginable from the time I got hurt up until this year. I I would not condone my behavior to anyone. I was moody. I yell at him. I'd scream at him. I'd snap. Were a lot of was a lot of that driven by all the meds and stuff. I think a a lot of it was. And I know there's psychiatric parts that, yeah, they work comp will tell you no, you're fine, you ain't got nothing wrong. Well, they don't want anything to be wrong. Right, right. And it's working through that. Guys giving you the shit there. Yeah, that it's a whole nother thing. So as these people are falling away, and you're left with your wife, and I mean you're mad at the world. Right. Why'd why'd God do this? Instead of losing the side of God told me to straighten up. This is God's chance telling me. You need to iron yourself out, train your life up, pay attention, get your nose back in there with your kids, be dad. And it took three years of the surgeries and I don't know how many hours fighting with my wife. We fought and fought and fought. Opioids were the worst thing in this world. Mm-hmm. And if you set them out on the table in front of me right now, I'd want them. I wouldn't take you them. Bet. But I'd want them. But I know, and where I'm going with this is I switched over and this is publicly announced to medical marijuana because it made me a better father to my kids. Mm-hmm. It was, you were able to. I, it, I started treating them with respect and treating them with people, with, with the dignity they deserved as, as kids. And they, they get their lives back. Mm-hmm. And so three years they've been traumatized and they've got to see everything in the world go wrong with their dad. And the worst part of you. Right. And now I have to make up for that in, yeah. in my mind. Mm-hmm. And they, people don't look at that aspect of it. They look at, how are you doing on your injury, man? Well, the injury's great. I mean, I, I can talk. My jaw works. It's, but it's how are, how are you doing as a man? And that is every day is a different different value, no matter who you are. Because but, you, mentioned, you mentioned minutes ago about basically one of our end questions on what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. And this injury in that one second 
yes. took away your ability to to continue to, that realm of being the provider, taking care of your family, taking care, right. of protecting, mm-hmm. and so and now be, you're at, yeah, and being the anchor of your family. You're right. at you're at that weak spot, and then you you add the opioids to it, which God bless you for. I mean, you know, you commented if they were on the table that you would take them up. That's that's the monster of that medicine. That's right, 100%. And, and that's where heroin addiction comes in for the majority of people because they can't afford those pills. And it, it is a monster. Mm-hmm. And and once again, God bless you for saying that, that the marijuana has been your vice. So the amount of pills I was taking to put this into perspective, and this is this is when you fall back to your own you're your own worst enemy you're all you're also your own best friend mm-hmm. because i read an article that said kids from around the world and it showed a picture of them what they ate you know and like fruit and they showed kids in the u.s and the predominant little debbies and stuff soda <laughs> and, little debbies yeah. and you look at all of what people put in their bodies and it hit me i mean it it hit me so hard because i don't condone marijuana at all I hated it. I hated it as a kid. Did you ever? Did you ever do it? I tried it a couple times, and it it wasn't my thing. I like to drink. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm that, right that was my thing. I hated the way it made me feel. So I never did it. Didn't want to do it. But when it, when it comes down to knowing how I was raised and why I changed my perspectives on life and changed how I treat people in life, if it puts me back to being good to my kids. I owe that to them at a minimum. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've set them down and I've talked to them about it and I've explained to them. How old are your kids, brother? Uh, nine and 13. Mm. Those are those are knowing ages. Yes. Oh, yeah. And But I want them to be informed. Right. And I want them to know that I was always against it. Mm-hmm. I always thought, you know, it. you shouldn't need that stuff. But after you take a round with opioids and you're like, man. It's I, even worse. I need that refill. You bet. I, yeah. I got to make it to that refill. Kind of lost who you were. And in the midst of all that, you've got they've got you on like Lyrica and Gabapentin and Nerve Killers and are they are they, oh, are they working? Shit. Are they working? Okay, so out of curiosity, because mental health is where we're steering this whole whole oh, process. Oh, hundred percent. So as they're working on your jaw and. Dry, putting teeth in and and worrying about facial scars and all of this is the medical industry at the same time do they put focus on mental health during this process i don't think they do and so your mental health is only coming from you spiritually inside yourself and your support staff of whoever's left inside that circle right. yeah and and that circle is so small it's incredible you go from your whole life and and you move on to just you're back to your 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 little circle of friends you got right and long like long long life friends yeah and it, it that tore me apart knowing that i'd lost so many people that i thought were friends and my wife told me she said i know it's hard for you to understand she said but some friends were here for a season and some are here for a lifetime right and it took her kind of pointing me in the right direction to say you know Maybe they didn't need to be there. What kind of friend were you? I don't know. I can't honestly answer so, that. I'll give you the shirt off my back if you need it. So prior to your injury, and 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 I say this because we're all going to deal with a, with a friend in, in a tough spot. 
And were you, do you think prior to your injury, you were the friend, say a Joe Phillips went through the same process? How close would you stuck by Joe Phillips through? And and I'm I'm pulling at yep. something. It's a what if. Yep. And I'll guarantee you I'd been in the same boat probably prior to the accident. You'd as pro- everybody else would. You'd probably 100%. wouldn't. And so yep. it's more natural than you think for yeah. a guy to say, "Screw it, dude! I can't fix him." Yep. I'm I'm there for whenever. If if you were to call, I'm there for you. But I can't fix you as a man because I'm not a surgeon. But there's that man card. That's right. I'm not going to call you. I'm not calling you. I'm not going to call you to tell you I need my spare tire fixed. Right. Why would I call you and tell you I need help mentally? You know? And that's where I I stress to people when they get hurt. And I tell everybody, I love you, man. I love you to death. Be safe. I don't care who you are. I want everybody to know that somebody loves them. Especially those old men that are Mm. grouchy old cooters. Exactly. And you start telling them and the first couple of times, they'll laugh at you. And that's completely out of the realm from them guys. Because they've never heard that. Right. They've never heard and that. And you start telling people that now. And now you can get them to say it back. You bet. And their kids are and like. That, and that's a ki- big deal. Their kids are like, I never got him to say that. I said, that's a, a, that's a huge deal. And we've had we've had that conversation on our show Every several show. times. Yeah. Every show. So the whole deal of, you know. But you know, but again, you're back on this island again by yourself. Yeah. And yeah, they they got me a doctor to talk to for a little while, and they did that help. It did, and I thought I made some good strides with him, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, you're done. Mm-hmm. Time we, run out. We've deemed you done. You're done. Yeah, insurance only paid for so many. Yeah, which <laughs> I found out later was a lie. And uh, I mean, I don't know. Well, we're also going to protect you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's part of my, my goal tonight is right. not to get you in a bind. Right. But in saying that, the, the, m- mental health, we've had some warriors on the show who have been broke down mentally, um, have their own demons. We all have our own demons, brother. Everybody does. We have our own demons. And so to get to that point, our friendships – Martinez, Bill, Aaron, all of our listeners have these friendships that are critical to our survival. Um, we may not we may not know it, but when they're the, not there, it's it's a hurricane. Every card dealt will be used in the hand. That's right. There you go. And so you're going through this. You're trying to figure out self worth. But you also must have your future in mind. Like, what good am I going to be from this point on? Tell me about that. I, w- I wish I could tell you because I can't do the same things I used to. This It's going to storm all week. I won't want to leave the house. It's There's a PTSD. Well, I mean, every day, I think after and talking to some people, after you've battled some of that, PTSD, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. Right. It's a daily chore in life after that, whether you want to admit it or not. It is always right behind your eyelids, waiting for them to open so it can look out. Mm. 100%. And every every day, no different than the nerve pain in my face, which is on both sides of my face. You look for that five minutes that... Don't hurt. My face don't hurt. I didn't. I wasn't thinking about hurting myself. I wasn't thinking about running away. 
Is that through routine? Is have you have you found a routine that kind of guides you on this trail? So I don't know that I've found a routine. I've actually found an, a new network of friends that was in front of us that I think all of America's lost sight of, and that's your neighbors. Yeah. Oh. And that's living out where I live. I've got my own therapist now, and I drink coffee with her every couple days. I go down and help her and drink coffee, but she has helped me immensely. Is this just a neighbor you yeah, go down to her house? a random neighbor. Were you close before the accident? No, nope, didn't have a clue. That, that's cool. She'd Get never right met me. And since then, the neighbors, they, we just keep growing. And there's well, some, some of those neighbors have lived there for their whole lives. Didn't so you still one. out in Avoca? Nope. I live just north of Pea Ridge now, by Whistling Springs Brewery, as a matter of fact. Shoot me your address, brother. I'm going to come drink coffee with you. Come on. So, okay, so <clears throat> community is a big portion of our program. We talk about it on every show. We know the value of it. We try to promote it. It's one of those things to where we feel as lost as Americans, and, and you just mentioned that. And so, Calvin, you're, you're really our perfect guest and because you omit everything that we've been preaching for going on two years is that the importance of your friendships, the importance of your spouse, the importance of your self-value. And so I want to focus for a little bit on self-value because whenever you have all your feathers in your cap, those are things that are overlooked. You don't know how important you play into the, into the role of community and friendship and right. family. It's just a given. Express on that topic. So I think and coming to your community and outlook and aspects of life, naturally everything changes after you've been hurt. All your friends change. Your outlook changes. It went from a work-driven, I got to get to town. I got to keep that job going, get my 401k looking good. And you find out you've got a network of people that they're like, well, why don't you come down and you can help me rake some leaves. I can pay you 20 or 30 bucks, you know, just trying to be nice neighbors. And it's not even the neighbors. Deep down inside, and it's, I'll go out of my way to help somebody. Yesterday I went to leave to go to Cassville, wherever. There's a guy walking down the road. He had his thumb out, and I was like, man, why is he down here? There's nothing down here. So I pulled over. I was like, where are you going? He's like, that way. I was like, crap. All right, get in. I'll, I'll take you. I'll go out of my way. I'll take you. So he's riding with me, and he's got, he's got scabs. He's a veteran. He's telling me he was in the pen. And I was like, why are you walking? He's like, I got two months probation left, and I'm going to get my car. I'm going to get my life together. I said, where do you live at, bud? He told me. I said, you got a phone, a prepaid phone? You got minutes? He's like, yeah, I got minutes. I said, you got money for lunch? He's like, I got money for lunch. I was like, all right. I said, here's my phone number. I said, if you ever need a ride to town, I'll do my best to pick you up. He said, I'll walk once a week to Walmart to get my prescriptions. I said, once a week, he walks 20 miles to get prescriptions. No man in his right mind should have to walk, walk 20 miles. I agree. And it's Jeez. the little things in life. And just stopping, his name was Terry. You know Terry? Everybody knows a Terry. But 
you could see he was like, man, I appreciate the ride. I said, anytime. I said, I'll be coming back through in about an hour. If you're ready, I'll pick you up. Well, he wasn't there. And it's the little things in life that I didn't do it because I wanted to use it for an example. I did it because I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's all those little things I do all the time that really stay out in front, keep you focused on doing good things to help everybody else. So and that one and, and the first thing across your mind, where was he at an hour? And what it didn't matter. No. So that one second in your life that changed yours, did it also um, you may not be there yet, but you're on the road, you're on the trail of it. Did that one second in your life make you better? I think it did. In the long run I think it made me a better person. Because if it taught me anything, it said it's never substitute your morals for a job. Mm. And I think a lot of times we get too captivated in the money and we lose sight of what we have around us. I mean, you look at all my neighbors, uh, and I've had a few pass away and they're single now, and you, you stop and you visit and take them stuff, and their kids come by. Sometimes that little, just five minutes. You bet. That makes all the difference in a widow woman that had a rough night because she's missing her husband. And I mean, hadn't seen anybody in a week or 10 yeah. days or maybe a month. And it, man, it makes me so happy. And those, that's when I wake up and, you know, you've been in that puddle before. You're sitting in your puddle of filth and you're like, I want to be a pig pen today. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to sit here and soak and bask in my own filth. Just run myself in the ground. And when you're sitting there, bawling your eyes out, middle of the driveway. Because it ain't a good place to be. No, and it, there's nothing around, and you've, you've already lost it. You're just letting it all out because there's nothing left to hide. That's, I think that was a, a really big step in, mm. I look at that, and I look at giving somebody a ride to work, giving somebody a ride to Walmart to look in the right, right. direction. Calvin, the uh, this program has showed me and. I did it twice this last week to where I sent people who I don't talk to all the time one of those little messages. And I just texted them a message and said, hey, man, you're a good dad. You're a good person. You're a good friend. And uh, you will break a man's heart. You will break a man's heart. Or just somebody like in one, one of the guys – and first thing comes to my mind, the guys that we spent, you know, a few hours with in, at the Hiawassee Mercantile, those older guys. Last night, George Calgary drove by my house, and I was out there doing yard work. He pulled up. He said, man, that was the best time I've had. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, I mean, because you got the older guy. I mean, those <laughs> older guys that – that we just think we take we take for granted that they're always going to be there. And in that sense, you guys talked about the bench. Yeah, there's a bench in every town. There is a bench there's in a every bench town, every Calvin. damn town. And I refer to it as the dead pecker bench. It, that's what they, <laughs> they, they had one in. They had one in Maysville. That, that's what my dad called and the dead pecker bench. Those old but men are there every day with that best, coffee. And I guarantee you the best stories are told. 100%. Right there on that bench. Yep. Calvin, the, uh, man, I, I don't know you. I, I know you tonight. 
and uh, I've mentioned this name, Joe Phillips. And when I was doing research on on you, I called Joe Phillips, and I said, "Man, what's the story with this guy?" And uh, he says, "I was one of the guys, first guys there." And he said, "That dude, he shouldn't have lived through what he went through." And um, I don't know if you've talked to Joe Phillips since the accidents, but he supports you. Yeah. And and uh, he he wants the best for you. Oh, I know. I don't doubt it. Joe's he, a super good guy. He's a super good guy. He's a good man. Wes, yes, he is. Wes over here, he's the guy that proposed that you be on the program. And Wes was fearful. He offered you up, but he was fearful of you being on the show because he didn't want you to say something that would you would regret. So if we fall back, I mean, there's... I'm sure they would love to have a field day if I've got stories for days. I mean, absolute days. And it's funny because I get told, you know, you want to go on this podcast. And I've done one other show about my accident. And my wife was on that one and she kind of broke down a little bit. I think that's what scared her here. But it's, oh man. Tell me about it, son. <laughs> I don't know. You're right here with your buddies. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, that, well, and and that's the deal. Your circle appears small, but it's still broad. Right. It, and and there's a lot of people out there that still want to protect you. Oh yes, a hundred percent. And but and, and you can get there without. When I got invited, it it was literally no time, and I had phone calls, and I had messages, and I was like. For what? And they're like, you say anything bad, we're going to prosecute you. Really? And I was like, really? That That's how focused they are. I have nothing to hide. You've done nothing wrong. No. I mean, you've done... If I can help someone that was done wrong and needs needs five minutes of my time, needs four days of my time, I don't care. If I can get somebody sitting in that pool like Big Pen to get up, walk their ass back to the house buckle down and say all right i got two kids i got to take care of I got a wife i got to take care of I, if i can't work i can fold laundry for i can be supportive some one way or another that's a big big struggle mm-hmm. and if it'll help somebody i'll tell my story over and over tell us about the organization on your shirt so the fall alignment organization they help all over the u.s if they're they're backbone is incredible and when you're a lineman you're a group of guys you know you got squirrel hunters there there's your group of guys your you tribe linemen yeah. group of guys and they, they all kind of click like linemen if you could take the most smart ass person you've ever met in your life and put him in a ball and put him in a position to work he'd be a lineman mm-hmm. more than likely i mean <laughs> there's a they, couple of them that i know personally those <laughs> those guys fit click. That bill perfectly i got you <laughs> they work together they get along everybody you know you give each other grief, you pass the you time. Bet. Oh yeah. It's a it's a great trend. But that's um I don't know. So what what the organization itself, so when a- their their network is a lot like that. They 
when I got hurt, they got a hold of my wife somehow, some way. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, tell us how they Facebook you. or Snapchat or whatever it was. I don't know. But these people came from everywhere, like four or five hours away to make my wife go, go get a motel room, go clean up, go get clean clothes. We'll sit with him. We'll sit outside the door with him because she didn't leave my side mm-hmm. ever. Like she'd run downstairs and get food and run back up. Did you know that was the wife you had? No. I mean, I knew she's always going to be by my side because if I leave, she'll try to kill me. But but you didn't know that that's who you no. had. And she sat right there every day, every need. And every, how, long you got, how long have you guys been together? 22 years. Don't year, right? say that, Joe. Oh, shit. He might be off by a month. No. <laughs> 11 11 of 01. <laughs> there you Opening go. weekend of I'm gonna say, season. I'm going to say that's one thing. Yeah. Ella's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, I'm going to say that's one thing you don't want to forget. So, this organization is, is it a financial support organization or is, uh, they can and will help you financially if you're in a bind. They'll help you uh, mentally if you're in a bind. They'll help your spouse. Anybody associated with it, they they will go out of their way to get you clean clothes, get you fed, get you housing, and it's just normal line wives. And they've had something happen, and they've decided we're going to take care of these line wives because they're just as important as the line Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's 100%. If they, knowing that any lineman out there, if you get hurt on the job doing uh, at the co-op, knowing if you knew you'd have people piling in there to take care of your wife while you were laying there. there. There's comfort. It, it's a lot of comfort. But you didn't, we didn't know it was there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my wife was like, I, I really think you should express how grateful we are because they they went leaps and bounds checking in how are you they mail you cards happy birthday sis we're still thinking about you just the little things and when you're fighting with your spouse arguing with your spouse and you're having those bad days on all the prescription drugs or whatever sometimes those cards are like stopping in for five minutes boy I, Mm -hmm. I, i like to hear that and the reason is because sometimes we think that our efforts are so minimal that they don't count. Yeah. And, and through it's just a little bit that it, helps. you bet, Joe, through, throughout your, I'll call it a testimony tonight, right? Right. Throughout your testimony, you've, you've mentioned how important and how valuable it is for, for the little guy. Maybe you barely knew a son bitch. There's, you barely know a lot of people. And for you to be the guy, I, I know that Martinez is, is a lot better at that than I am because I'm scared of hospitals, man. I'm scared of cemeteries. I'm scared of hospitals. I don't want to be around them. That just puts me closer to being in them. That's how I look at them. Well, yeah, but you're, walk, you're walking on a cemetery. There's all bet. kinds of dead stuff under us. You know how many Tyson chickens they've thrown out on this field? Son, I know. <laughs> I don't eat them. <laughs> but for, for me, and, and that's part of the growth that, that I'll get through this show is to be a better man at that because Calvin, I've, I literally, Joe will tell me, Hey, you know, such and such is at this hospital. You ought to go by and see him. I don't go by and see him. And, and the reason is, is I am fearful as a man of being that close. And Calvin, me personally, I've screwed up with my own family because of that because if i can't personally fix it i 
I have no value in the situation. And that's wrong because I need to show that I do have value. The, the little things that you've yeah. described are big <clears throat> things. And it, and it takes a powerful man like yourself to say to our listeners and to us as individuals how important that is. And, and that might be your big <clears throat> victory tonight is to prove to our listeners that we need to do a better job. And, and yeah. I know for a fact there's been times that, you know, I've been, and I call it the bottom of the barrel is what I call it. Because when you're alone and you're depressed and you're struggling with all the, all the fighting with your wife, your kids doing bad in school because you're being a bad person because you're on, and maybe I'm just using the drugs as a you're crutch. You're on drugs, dude. Maybe I'm just using it as a crutch. And maybe no, it I wasn't. don't think you maybe are. It I wasn't. mean, it's, but, but that's, it, it, it's a struggle when you're that in the you bottom of the with. barrel, and somebody just drops your card. You know, you're you're sitting in the bottom of the barrel like pig pen, and you're like, and I I've been there. You know, you you're sitting there in your tree stand, and you're like, I wonder if I jumped off here with this lanyard on my neck. How long would it be before someone found me? I understand. And for me, that's hard for me to tell because that was a real life thought. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're there in the middle of nowhere, and I don't like hunting like anything like I did. Like all my luster's gone. If I get up and go, okay. If not, okay. So your love's your family. It that's all. That's it right now. It, and man, everything there's changes. No, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. And and the truth is, is you will probably, you will find your power. In the future, in something. Yeah. You're you're not hollow. No. You know you're still you're still an oak. Dude. Yeah. You're not done yet. At the end of the day, I and I've. This was my new saying that I try to tell people is when I go and stand before God and he says, what would you change in your life? I want to be able to say nothing. Absolutely. I want to be able to look him square in the eye and say, I did everything I could for everybody. I That's could. the right answer. Man, that one second, dude. And, Bam. That, and that goes back to family. And you talking about the bench and the Cowans and everybody local. I started, and this was after I got hurt, I started this book. It's called my life, but it's not mine. It's not y'all's. And what I did is I got to thinking. These kids nowadays, they like their phones. They like the game. You still got some that go outside and some that farm. But a lot of the old sayings and old pieces of advice, they're gone. So this book, and it's just a cheap leather book. It's everyone that's impacted my life has written in this book, and you guys are part of my life now. Man. And what it is, is it says write down your name, date, and how you know the owner of the book, which means when my kids get it, it'll be them or the grandkids. And I want one piece of advice for future generations. And there's already, I don't know, there's 20 or 30 pages written in there. You guys are welcome to look at some of them there. It's... It's heartwarming because some of them are so heartfelt. What brought that on, that book? I don't know. I I just felt like I needed to create something for me to leave behind for... So it's a memoir. Some kind of legacy. Right. Well, like, okay, you go to a cemetery. You don't want to go to a cemetery. You die. You go to the cemetery. Who's going to come look at your headstone? You don't even know. Your kids, maybe. Yeah. After that, what, what is it? just a stone. You're just a name. You bet. You're just a name. But if they had a book and they could go, well, my great-grandpa's neighbor used to say, you bet. and it's written down, 
they don't know who he is. They, but it's they your don't song. Care. It's your song you sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was at a funeral here a while back, and there was a guy that I went to school with, and he said at this funeral that, and I'm going to use myself as an example, Joe Martinez doesn't die until the last person that he that ever knew him speaks my name. That's the truth. Right. It's the stories you leave, dude. Right. It's the stories you leave and, and it's I mean as a character and, and, and of that, our show. And, and that just kinda grabbed it, it kinda grabbed me. I think you know I'm not I'm not gone. I may be dead. I mean, long time dead, but I'm not gone until the last person that ever knew me, not that I ever knew, mm-hmm. but the last person that ever knew me, the last person for the last time speaks my name. So, so on that token, the other night, because yeah, we've been working on this for a week, getting you in here, I guess, a little over a week, and uh, I was thinking about, Joe, you could sing it if you know it. I, I was thinking about Hank Williams Jr. clearing out a clear spot up on top of the mountain. And uh, in that song that he sings, he he talks about, you know, he up on that mountain, he would sure didn't know then that he would surely, you know, nearly end. And he talks about his friendship. And, and this is the story of Hank Williams Jr., right? When he was up on the mountain... He was at the top of his game. Everybody wanted yep. to, his signature. Falls down the mountain, wads up his face, not near as bad as you wadded up <laughs> your face. And he talks in that song about that's when you know who your friends are. And and, and so I was singing in the shower, Aaron. That a boy. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking, and I didn't know you, and I was thinking, man, that's, that's kind of your song. And that Hank Jr. song it's it's inspiring your story's inspiring that you could go through the trauma that you went through you valued the importance of your wife you've seen that you counted a lot of times as men we don't get the attaboys right <clears throat> a lot know? of times that's and that goes back to me like telling those old men hey I love you I love you bye you know they snicker and laugh but there's that one second that it oh, might, that might make all the difference in the world. And, and, after, and after several times of you saying that, yep. they might say it back. Yep, they might. We, and they may not. And We've been studying that on the show. We have. That's, uh, that <laughs> That's, all stems from a guy at, that I used to work with, and uh, he'd turn so bright red when I'd tell him, I'd say, I love you, and he'd just turn bright red. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Come on, get, get out of here, you yeah. crazy bastard. So, so so as the process of of healing goes, is is there future surgery still? No, I told them I was done. They wanted to do some more, some kind of skin graft. You decided you were pretty as pretty enough. I'm I'm not getting remarried. I got the same one. I ain't getting rid of her. I don't (laughs) need to look pretty. So (laughs) surgeries are over. Are they still working on you mentally at all? No, they don't. Do you? They've washed their hands of me. Okay, so as he's got all the. Helping needs right here. With well, us. so that's where I'm going, Joe. Is is there is there a way that us and we've got a decent support staff as our listeners, right? Is there a way that 
Aaron falls in a, in a hole. I fall in a hole. Joe and damn sure Bill. We've been working on Bill for months now. Five months. We've been working on Bill. (laughs) 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 He did the math. It was seven, really. But but we fall we fall in holes. Right. And as men, you mentioned it. We've all mentioned we're the last ones to ask for help. Yeah. As Joe said, we are we're part of your team. Right. We're gonna we're gonna help you whenever you fall in a hole. But what are you doing currently? How are you? How are you, how's your family team supporting themselves? What do you do now since you no longer are a lineman? My wife, she's got she sells horses and goats and alpacas and cows and zebus and zebu, some kind of little miniature cow looking thing. Hmm. She's supposed to be real marbled up. They got a ribeye. Supposed to. Damn it, boy. <laughs> that's one of those things that's like the time i ate bobcat though you just sweet it, it, meats huh it's hard to get over trying new things on but it's stuff. good yeah it's damn good bobcat's one of those meats that gets overlooked it takes it's, a little work but it's good it is good yeah. phyllis spears made me some bobcat one time that was damn good so so you went from hey a journeyman lineman's a good job yeah yeah it is and it, anywhere in the country is it, it'd be a fabulous place yeah and so, f- financially, how are you guys making it? We're scraping by. We're getting by. We're right now. We're trying to put in an RV park, uh, pretty close to the brewery, hmm. and we've kind of started dirt work on that. And hopefully, we'll have that up and going. That'll help. And that's really the outlook of my life right now is to let my wife. I'm following her lead. She's in charge. Yeah, I did it for 20 years, and mentally. I can't remember. You've seen me stop mid-sentence and pause like, where am I at? And that's a daily for me. So all my stuff goes to her now because I don't remember if I went. Did I go to the bathroom just now? Where did I went? You know, it's mm-hmm. constantly, where's my keys? I just had them. But it, it's progressively worse was since it, the was accident. That, was, was that, <clears throat> do you feel that's drug or was it brain injury? I think it's brain injury myself because... I never had that problem before. I could always remember a pretty decent amount of things. I can't remember anything now to speak of. If it's not in my calendar, I'm well, struggling. You got to think of the massive concussion that was oh, that took to, place. Yeah, right. thirty to but throw then, you thirty then, feet, yeah. all coming. But from then your on head. top of that, my all the <clears throat> all the painkillers that you were bombarded with, well, I, guaranteed didn't help. Well, and you think about all those pills you take over time. And mm-hmm. all that compounding in your body. And my doctor, um, Dr. Roark in Cassville, I love her to death. She told me, she said, we ought to get you off them pills. She's was, one of those doctors. She, yeah, yeah. And she's, man, she's meant the world. And I was like, well, you know, I, I don't like that stuff. But, yeah, she said, I think it'll be better than having you. Because they had me on two pills for my mood and my mental health. Three pills to sleep. Two pills for nerve pain, and one for pain. So you changed. You changed tackle boxes. Oh. You went from fish and lures to drugs. Yeah. Yes, I did, hundred percent. And I literally have never been so sick in my life. Trying to get off of them. I threw up, and I'm a I'm a manly man. I cut deer guts open. Ain't nothing gonna make me sick, you know. I hear you. And we would go eat, and my wife, I can't. She cracked a crab leg or something, and I was like, I got to go. 
Really? I was every little thing. I was both ends for a month detoxing off of all that wow. stuff. Do you how much do you recall the man that you were prior to the event? Do you remember that guy? I do. I don't want to. It doesn't matter. That's you gotta look forward, not Yeah, back. I mean that's what I'm saying. You're not you're not probably not ever gonna get back there. I hope you do. I I've, you probably, you probably don't want to. There. I've given up on that person. I, yeah. I, I really have. I've set stride in a new direction, and hopefully it'll be more family-oriented than um, more personal goals. I believe one of your guests, like Morgan Hawley, who mm -hmm. I grew up only about a mile and a half from. Great guy. Know. Great guy. And mm -hmm. you talk about a small circle, all three of us, but he's that's a big deal, too. I mean, mm -hmm. Mor Morgan's story... Matter of fact, Sunday, Morgan and Morgan come by. Morgan Holly, the mister, and Morgan Holly, the missus, <laughs> come by the house on Sunday, and we sat here and talked. And uh, the missus, she sat in this room and got bad allergies. Her eyes got red and glassy, and she mentioned the importance of how important it was to have Morgan on the show. Mm -hmm. To Morgan... And to herself. I do a really bad job, Bill, of telling you guys the little things that I hear mm -hmm. from people. Um, I'm probably not going to do a better job at it, but I'll open up to you guys right now. There, I get from every listener or from every guest that we've had on the show, I get messages. And uh, from a lot a lot more listeners than I ever could imagine. You know, this weekend, like I say, man, there must have been well over a dozen strangers in a place that I'd never been told us that they listened to this deal. And Miss Morgan Holly, when she told me the importance of having Morgan on the show, Morgan didn't want to be on the show. Right. Calvin probably didn't really want to be on the show. I'll be on every show you want me to be on if it'll change there one person's go. life. God exactly. bless you, Calvin. boy. That's and all I ask is if it'll help one person. I don't care to belittle myself or whatever it no, takes. If it'll you, help somebody, it's worth it. Let's, I let's get this I straight. You didn't, like you, you, you didn't no, belittle nobody. Yeah, no, I know I didn't. Cool. But you empowered. To, right. For sure. And to me, if it'll help someone, I'll do it over and over again. Hey, there's not a guy at this table. That, and, I, and, and I don't think belittle is the right word, but there's not a guy at this table that has not told a story that is not something he's proud of. Well, we all learn from our mistakes. I mean, I mean, yeah, had a good time with them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's, and that's not belittling yourself. Right. But it's at the same time, it's sharing something <clears throat> that you've dealt with right. in the past. And at the end of the day, you're helping somebody else. Joe, that, could I tell you that's common? That, yeah, I mean, it's common, right, Calvin? It's, it's common. <laughs> it's common for us to not be at our best, right? And the the spiritual side of it, the way that I, our last guest, he kind of pinpointed me out as being a heath yeah. <laughs> around the table, and and uh, and Joe become out. The holy one. Yeah. No, I, I'm <laughs> three not, times. I, I guarantee you. Three <laughs> times. <laughs> <laughs> Joe come out the holy. That's just because I never felt my 
I never found my spiritual way. I started out Catholic and moved into Church Christ. Uh, yada yada yada. But anyway, and Calvin, from from our listeners' standpoint, this this belief in God, which I'm sure you cussed and you questioned during your traumatic syndrome. Your traumatic time. I'm I'm sure you cussed God, mm-hmm. and and you probably thought, why me? Why now? How? That is the thing. We find our God at this table, and and our God is a is exactly what you are. It's a guy that wants to help out everyone around us. Go tell me about tell me about when you were cussing, man. You you cut you do a lot of talking to God like that. That's the one guy that I've confided in, and I'll tell you, I've not been to church near enough. Don't care if I go to church near enough. My relationship with God is fine. Yep, I talk to that guy more than I talk to myself, and everything happens for a reason. You bet. And I've never thought, man, I wish somebody else would have got this. Instead, I've always said, I'm glad I got it, so somebody else didn't. Mm-hmm. Because I I don't know that I could have been happy if I'd watched one of those guys working with me get hurt and go man it bugged the shit out his of wife's yeah. got to drive five hours down here and leave the kids behind and you know it's bad enough that I got but, hurt but but what if you you but you would have drove five hours up there to see him yeah yeah I would have at, at the same right. time I mean that's that's the give but I mean and, and Joe's I mean Joe's he said oh hell I'm a heathen Joe's got that. I don't even want to say it. it's a hang-up. The whole uh, organized religion. I'm kind. Of, I'm right there with you. I mean, you don't have to go to church to a church. To do you know who sent me the message on that? Mike Rogers. Mike Rogers sent me a message, and he says I'm right there with you. Right. I I'm not. For but, organized religion, and I'm right there. Yeah. I mean, and I and I've made that comment. I mean, I wasn't trying to be churchy at all, and anybody that knows me knows that I'm not that guy. You're pretty close, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, uh, I've just, uh, I mean, I've always been. My mother, hey, she went to church every time it was open. She never drank. She never smoked. She never did. She would cuss when we were playing, doing that phase 10. <laughs> it was a game that we'd always play at, at uh, Christmas time. But, I mean, she was as religious as anybody around. And I was always, I was always godly, I guess. I mean, you wouldn't, most people that know me wouldn't think that. But I mean, I'm right there with with Joe. I mean, you don't have to go to church to make it to heaven. No, no. It, it's, it's what monopoly piece would you be? My favorite one's the wheelbarrow. No kidding. What's, I was what, always a wheelbarrow man myself. Well, when it's full of money, you got the whole board. But when it gets <laughs> over, you got no money. I, I, I was always a wheelbarrow man. One or the other. Were you? Yeah. He's uh, probably the car man, wouldn't you? I was a car man. You I knew, knew it. it. Aaron, what were you? Car. Bill? Scottish Terrier. 
<laughs> Terriers and Terriers. And we really Scottish terrorist. Scottish terrorist. I like that Scottish. So let's dog. go into our ending questions. Yeah, before we do that, um, Wes, who had to leave, he had a question or he had a he had something that you wanted he wanted you to talk about, and that was your hunting trip to Mexico. Oh Lord, you got a, good, you got a story ago. for for us there. Yep. So there was. You ever been there? There yeah. was in yeah. Mexico. Uh, one of those random. What? Two thousand and nine, I think. I think it was the end of two thousand nine, somewhere in there. My wife had put in, a, entered for drawing, you know, put in for a deer hunt on Buckmasters. You never, you get calls every day from that. I mean, they're relentless. Mm-hmm. They are worse than publishers, the, 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 the bell ringers on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are every day they're calling and you see this number and you're like, block, 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 mm-hmm. block. And so this goes on. My wife's like, man. I'm so tired of that number calling me. So I was at work and I was on call and we'd pulled up to, I think it was Burger King. And my phone, that that number come up for the magazine. I was like, God, I don't want, I don't want to buy a magazine tonight. Answered it. And the guy's like, hey, how you doing? Is Amanda there? I was like, no, no, she's not there. You know who this is? I said, no, who is it? And he goes, this is Jackie Bushman. Hmm. I'm thinking. Oh yeah, that's I've a, heard that. that's a hunting that. show. That that's a hunting show guy. I remember now. He's like, your wife want to hunt, but she won't answer her phone. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, yeah, she want a whitetail hunt to Mexico. And I was like, wow. He's like, have her call me. Gave me his number, and I get home and I tell my wife, and she's like, all right. And there she is, pregnant with her first. Right, and she's doing March, and the hunts in December, and they're like, I don't know if it'd be a good idea for a pregnant woman to go down into Mexico to hunt deer. Into Mexico or New Mexico? Into Mexico, like when we Sonora, the, Guadalajara, yeah. Sonora, um, Sonora, Mexico. What is the name of that little town? It was a blast. I mean, Chupacabra. Those guys, the uh, Jackie Bushman, Michael Waddell, they were there. They. It was pretty interesting. You get to visit with them, and you know, you always dream. You're like, man, I want to, I want to own a hunting show. I want to go kill white tails every day. And you win that hunt, and you're jacked up, and you get down there, and they're like, you hear them on the phone. They're like, if you don't get the NCAA on this satellite down here, I'm going to fire you. Right. <laughs> and you know, they're they're wanting the NCAA. They care less about the deer. And I'm like, guys, can we go deer hunt now? And they're like, oh yeah, you know this guy. But that's every day to them. That's their mm-hmm. job. You know, it's it's relentless. And be like doing line work with them. Even, I wouldn't like want up, to. And they like wouldn't. you up in that yeah. bucket truck. Yeah. Wes states that you're the luckiest man he knows. Uh, it's, no, that's a matter of opinion. <laughs> <There is> no <laughs> way. I'm the luckiest. Man, the scars might not. Can you move Martinez's phone? It's rattling. The, the scars on your face may show that you uh, aren't lucky. But the knowledge that you've gathered from your experience that one second, seeing the pictures that you showed us on your phone tonight, knowing that out of, let's see, there's 320 million Americans um, women make up the majority of the population. Out of all of those women, 
you found a woman that would put up with a dude who ripped off his face, knocked out all of his teeth, had uh, metal put in his jaws and in his chin, took more medicine, opioids, was a dick to his kids and to his wife, yelled, hollered through pain and trauma. And out of all those women, let's say there's 320 million Americans, let's say that there's 190 million women. You're a lucky son of a bitch, boy. You're a lucky dude. Wes is right. Don't don't ever think. I mean, yeah, I'm lucky. I married her. You're right. But you got to remember, it's... It's tit for tat. Like, I had surgery and came home with my jaws wired shut, and she fried deer tenderloin that night for dinner, knowing I couldn't eat it. I mean, you, you tell me, how, how lucky is that that I got to smell her, you know, smell her eating deer tenderloin? Yeah, I hear you, yeah. Calvin. I hear you. I've been drinking orange juice for a month, and she's over there lapping down what the boy killed. I hear you. Is there uh, it, well, Joe's right. Let's step into our questions. Yeah. All right. So you kind of, as Joe mentioned, you hit on it earlier. Um, my question is, every show is, what in your eyes, coming through all of you, all of you, all that you have experienced, what what makes a man? What makes a quality man? I think it depends on what which person it is. What do you mean by that? Well. Your aspect of you being a man would be different than me being a man. Mm-hmm. Because and, and if you, you live in town and I live in the country, there's two totally different variables there. I mean, you can mm-hmm. do all kinds of stuff for your family that I can't, mm-hmm. you know. So is that what it leads back to is providing for your family? I would have to say that being a man is make sure you take care of your chores, your businesses, and support your family the best you can, you know, any and all cost. Mm-hmm. And you see what you're walking on a line right there. And right. You're talking to a man who had a career, and his career was taken from him. And so whenever you walk down that road and, and you bring in providing, mm-hmm. that's that's a different deal. And, right. and so what Calvin's thinking right now is that he, for a series of years since 2019, hadn't been a provider. I have, just in a different aspect now. There you go. go. I, wanted, that's what, I was going to try to get you to answer that yourself. Yes. Yeah. And so this education that you've given your children has been a tear down and build it back up situation. And, you know, there's a lot of a lot of times. And for instance, is just the other day and people are like, oh, you're fine. You're fine. You know, they wanted me to come back to work. And I was like, I can. But they didn't hold up on their end of what they wanted to do. And they said, if you don't like it, just apply online. Some, you know, apply for a different job. Fine. Whatever. And at that, I don't. You're good, dude. You're I, good. I know. I'm. I'm just gathering all of my thoughts. I get. I'm sure. Keep going for a minute. Okay. And I don't believe you're gonna. You're gonna get to that next step until you do it. Okay. So whenever you're gathering, just realize that there's another step that you got to walk up mm-hmm. to get to where you're going. Oh, I imagine there is. And I'm going to ask you two questions. And as I'm doing that, if someplace back in that shaking up brain of yours, if you could, uh, if you could imagine walking up that next step, it's going to help you. It's going to help a lot of people. So mine is, is, is mentors in life. And 
before I hit that, you mentioned your mother and father. Your dad's a gun builder. He's done all this stuff. Yeah. It had to be brutal to your mother and father when you suffered your injury. So my dad was no longer with us. My adopted dad, which was a lifelong friend who he's nice enough to take me under his wing and, you know, take care of me like a dad would. Um, he came to visit my mom. I guess when the accident happened, my wife told my older sister, said, hey, uh, you want to deal with this tonight or tomorrow? Because you know your mom better. And I think they, she let everybody ride that night. And then the next day, she let everybody know. And that way, nobody's up in the middle of the night and mm -hmm. being dangerous. And it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't get you anywhere to get people up anyways. Right, right. And she was very thoughtful, I think, on, from that aspect of we're going to find out everything that's wrong tonight, kind of get a grip on it, what's going on. That way, when we call people tomorrow, they're not freaking right. out. So as, as you go through... Hell, it may be that it may be that veteran guy with the scabs on his arm, but he, your life has been built upon learning from others and, and mentorship. Oh, yeah. Who are those mentors? I would have to say that um, my father was a mentor, but he changed a lot of the things I did because I didn't want to be like him. Um, he was a gunsmith. He drank, and a lot of people fall into complacency of, well, my dad drinks, I got to drink. Yeah, my mom smokes, I got to smoke. And that side of my family always seemed like they, they were selfish over things. So before I ever got hurt, they'd fight over just materialistic, just ridiculous stuff. And in the end, it, it, that stuff's like a headstone. It's only important to the first generation. After right. that, it's just junk, antique, you know, you like, oh, that was grandpa's. Yeah. And it's, it's almost disheartening to me. I understand. To, it is. To say he was to a everybody. mentor, but he was a mentor in the right way, the wrong way. Right. My mom, she's always been great. She loved me to death. Uh, always, taking care of me the best she could. So they were both very detrimental in my life, but I would have to say my wife would be the biggest because she's she's always been the one that you're going to lay on the couch and cry all day, holding your face, you're going to get up and go with your boy to the barn. Well, I guess I'll have to get up, you know. There was days that she hit me with a hot shot in the butt to get me going, and if I didn't have her, I may have spent a week on the couch. Could you have know? gave up. Yeah, and, and a lot of times there's when you're laying there basking in your filth. Sometimes it, it all it takes is one little light switch. Mm -hmm. So, so we just described your father. Yep. Did he ever tell you he loved you? Uh, the closest I got to that, well, I dressed as a hooker one year for Halloween. He threatened to kill me because <laughs> that was a big no-no back then. <laughs> you dressed as a hooker. Yeah. Were you good looking? Hell yeah, I was. <laughs> Hung like a mule for a hooker. Bull mouth. Bull mouth. <laughs> uh -huh. 
I, I definitely could have made it nowadays, at least on a Bud Light can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's uh, pretty good. Did he tell you he loved you? So <clears throat> he'd he'd work during the day and he'd come home and he'd, he, he loved guns. I mean, he loved tinkering on old single-action Colts and spent so much time in the gun shop with him. I, I hated it. So when he'd come home, he'd work and drink beer and people, everybody showed up, you know, at the gun shop. I learned to cuss there, chew tobacco, drink beer, eat candy bars, all kinds of stuff. By God, it don't get no better than that, does no. it? And there's never any girls at gun shop. Either. There used to not be. But right. Yeah. I never thought Until them that. Bud Light cans. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a different <laughs> aspect there. They're on clearance, you know. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> you <can>, that <laughs> Bud Light's yeah. cheaper than Schaefer's. Oh, yeah, but everybody else has jacked their price up, I heard. Do you hear that? No. <laughs> Seriously, like 17, 18%. I'll be damned. So, back to Pops. Just a bit for you. And when he'd come in at night, and I remember my little sister, uh, he'd give us, he'd pat us on the head. Good night. And that's how you knew he loved you right there. That, Good yeah. night. And that one touch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did he ever say it? No. Do I say it? I tell my kids. I Every sc- day. I scream it to them when they're getting on the bus in the mornings. <laughs> they go to school. If I die tonight, they know their dad loved them. Embarrass the hell out of them. Oh, yeah. too. Did yeah. you know your dad loved you? Yeah, I, I guess I did. Pat on the head, he just said. Yep, one pat. And un, the unwritten rule, you know. I got you. Go ahead, Joe. So going back to the same kind of era when you were kids, you know what? It don't matter. You know, everybody's Everybody can look back on their childhood, whether it was good, whether it was bad. But what was your favorite childhood memory? I've thought and thought and thought and when we gave Christmas presents to our children my wife said let's buy tickets to Brent's and I said no I said we went every year we were we were poor poor folk we'd go every year to Silver Dollar City I said we've been every year since I was as long as I could remember I said the only thing I remember about that place as a kid kettle corn Getting sick on pork rinds because I ate the whole bag before I got to the car. <laughs> oh, poor and the old Ford Mustang 76 or 86 stalled out in the middle of the intersection, and I had to help push it out of the road. <laughs> and I said, from here on out, we're going to do things with the kids, different things that are not monotonous and not the same stupid stuff I did, so they'll have memories. You bet. Because my memories are shooting birds. The old man come home, hey, it's summertime, here's a block of 22 shells. Oh, hell yeah. Them red birds, Granny been feeding birds all winter. Granny's Bad. got a bunch of birds down there long as she and, ain't and, you know, home. We didn't know back then that you really, legally really couldn't kill all them. Boys, I'm going to tell you, Game of Fish really don't give a shit if that young boy's out there shooting <laughs> a bitch. No, I mean, yep. but but I didn't, I just learned this. Hey, I'm, I'm 54 years old as of a couple Saturdays ago. I didn't realize until probably 10 years ago. What a poacher you were. No, yeah, yeah. legally, <laughs> the only thing you can kill is migratory birds, and you yeah. got to buy a license to do that. Yeah. How many metal arcs did I eat? Pile of them. I eat more metal arcs than I have quail. Yeah, no but kidding. Joe, me and you and, and our buddies, we had we just named shit different. So that way it was legal to kill and eat. <laughs> but I'm we just were, saying. We were identifying stuff. 
was a yellow no, dove. No, no, we, we, were, we weren't those people. Well, but we were woke enough to call a largemouth bass a green sucker. I ain't never been woke. <laughs> you can call me a lot of things. You can call me a dirty son of a bitch. You can't call me woke. <laughs> I, I'll tell you this, Calvin. I've learned. I've learned through your struggle, and uh, mm-hmm. your book. I'd like to read. Uh, there's uh, this little fancy book that you got here with this giant oak tree on it. I've been sitting here for the last 30 minutes trying to think what I'll write in that book. And uh, The book can stay here. I can come back and get the book. No, well, we're going we're gonna to write in this book okay. tonight when, before we leave. But, you know, the other day I, when I was heading up to that cook-off, I was listening to a bluegrass song, and, and it was, it was kind of funny, but it was real truthful. And uh, it, it's, it's kind of the chorus in the song was, is, you load the wagon, I'll worry about the mule. And I think if I was going to write something in the book, it, it just that may not mean shit to very many people, but I'm going to tell you what that means to me. You could pile as much stuff as you want in that wagon, you ain't got to worry about me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tote the load, and uh, I've learned from you tonight that your wagon was well loaded, son. Yeah, and and you're the mule, and you, and you're toting that load, and it's a load, it's an uncommon load, and what differentiates a man from another man is the load that he carries, because we all carry a different one, and and your load happened because of you pondering the thought of throwing a big log on a fallen tree on a on a coax wire yeah and without you even knowing that thing struck you in the jaw and in one second it it changed your path in life not all roads are paved equally i like dirt you like I dirt. was raised on dirt. It don't bother me. Some of them are just rough rock, well, not even gravel. Ours is paved, and it's still rougher than dirt. <laughs> <laughs> but you're like us. Those are the roads we like to drive down. Yeah, I know where the potholes are. You bet. You bet. Bicyclists don't. More than bicyclists. <laughs> I can't stand them some bitches. Hey, son. fucking bicyclists. Bill, you've been kind of on ten. You've been kind of quiet. Talk to us, Bill. Well, okay. I just want to tell you, Calvin, that. You have opened up my eyes a great deal today, and it makes me think about not everybody's hit with a physical problem. Sometimes it's mental or emotional or whatever, but they're all down in the same dumps, wallowing in the same mud, or getting up to the brightness of the day. And If you could tell anybody, what would it be? Just a small thought that might help you on a given day to crawl out of that hole. Well, I don't know about that. I think I thought that you. was going to be the dramatic quiet well, for this. I didn't mean to take no. you there, but I, I want to thank you for what you've told me about well, it, and, and, and it seemed to me like it was interperspective and love of of what's around you, and just take it for a minute. I but, think the biggest thing is is my biggest fear, and I've I've always been afraid to speak publicly, and 
I got on with Cabela's on their pro staff before I got hurt, and they and they said, well, well what do you want to do this for? And I said, well, it's because I'm afraid of speaking publicly. And he said, well, you kind of do that every day. And I said, I know. It's something different. It's something new. And it it's not so much. I know I have problems. My wife knows I have problems. But if I can show you my problem and you can fix yours, at least one of us is better off. Calvin, you know, Calvin, we've got a <clears throat> we've got a show to do tomorrow. At five o'clock, same place, same time. Yeah. And if you ain't busy, if you could come back to the same place, same time tomorrow, and help us record tomorrow's show. Sure. And you don't even have to talk. Hell, you can just sit here and listen. But you can you can be like Bill and be red words if you want to. <laughs> seven, seven, baby. He's he's getting a shirt with the number on him. <laughs> if if you want to come in tomorrow and and help us with the red words, but our next show coming up is has got a a man on there that builds people, and and he helps with gates on horses. And uh, and I know y'all got a bunch of, of livestock out there at your place. He'll he will. I think our next guest is going to be a, a super good guest, like you were. Um, let's help you build up that ability to talk. And I you, used to have the same problem. I used to never like to talk. I, I don't buy I've it. Always, I've always been really bashful. <laughs> I've always heard people hide behind the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> but come, come sit back with us tomorrow if you want. Same time, same place. And and we'll get you in here and you can sit and talk with us. Um, I, I'll thank you again tomorrow. And um, for me, you're that next step for me personally. You're you're showing me that one day, whenever trauma happens, I can learn from from your issues that you've you've struggled on. Um, we're gonna be we're gonna help you be a cane on this deal. We're gonna help you walk up the steps, and uh, yeah, it's important you show up tomorrow. I think we're gonna learn from our next guest and. Mm-hmm. And uh, anytime you want to sit in this room with us, we're here the same time every week. And uh, you you got an open door. Well, and like I said, if, if anybody ever needs to talk and they can't talk, they can look me up on Facebook or look up Cope Farms on Facebook. You can get a hold of me one way or another. And it's... I think you telling people where to look you up, they're going to probably look you up. I, I hope they do, because like I said, I just you get to that point in life when you're so driven with your career and then at one second it changes it all to well not only my family but how can i help your family mm-hmm. let me so, let me say this all of the people that were fearful of of your mouth on this show uh didn't all, even get there. All of well, no, because you're stronger than that, right, Joe? Exactly. You're stronger didn't than that. Didn't even need to go down that road. And so up until five o'clock today i heard those were the calls that i was getting <clears throat> this is this is very important to me that this is my story That's this right. is no one else's story exactly. it's not theirs Where they want to make it theirs they can get get you lost bet. this is story. mine and i wouldn't be here if all parties had upheld their ends of the deal so 
I mean, I, I'm going to move on with my life. Good job. I have no problem. It's not going to do any good to even no, go there. It you bet. That's big of you, Calvin. That's, that's, that's you, that step, son. And, I mean, I'm sure I could drill a big hole in a ship and sink it. But I think there's enough little holes eventually the ship will sink itself. There's, so I'm not worried Well, about it kind of already has. I mean, if you think about that, <clears throat> so the way at, they are now. At the but, end of the day, being a God-fearing man or not a God-fearing man, will you... Whatever you want to worship is fine. Um, when you go to heaven and God says, hey, you getting in here? And I said, I, I'd love to get in there. You know, can I can I run my hounds up here? And he's like, yeah, come on in. And then you see those people that made all these empty promises. And when they get up there and he says, well, that was my job. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then I'll get to listen. Then no, no, it'll be my turn to listen. That's well, I appreciate right. you on. I, pr- I appreciate you coming on the show. You mm-hmm. bet. And, and and I'll tell you what. You made a comment earlier about drinking coffee. Come on. I'm, and, I'm gonna get your number and I'm gonna call you. We're gonna drink some coffee. We go drink coffee with him. I drink coffee with him all the time too. Alrighty. Thank you, brother. You bet. Walk us out, Aaron. All right. Thanks again, Calvin. Your story's inspirational coming from the struggle you went through. Uh, thank you, fallenlineman.org. Yes. If that's uh, Calvin's part of that organization, if if you need anything, need any help, feel free to reach out to Calvin, Cope Farms. Yep. And, uh, or if they want to donate to Fallen Lineman also, that's always taking donations. Absolutely. Man. Hey, absolutely. let me value for value, Jared Robertson. Yeah, and uh, also Whistling Springs Brewing Company. Yeah. Yeah, Go and ahead. if our listeners want to be a part of our value for value situation, just like mm-hmm. Jared was, uh, man, we've got on the Facebook page, we've got some uh, cash app opportunities there to help support the show. And value for value is just not monetary. Right. Value for value is is a guy saying, I've got a guy like, like Calvin. Mm-hmm. And to bring that guy into our big circle, Mm-hmm. of listeners that's that's bigger than money yeah uh joe martinez shit he's loaded to the hilt we don't he don't need no money bill he's got he's boy he's making a career off of i'm a kept man he's a kept man <laughs> and me and aaron we've got a good paying job that pays us on thursday night at we midnight get a, we could buy all this stuff on these loaded Bags. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we we can we can provide the microphones, but value for value means that our listeners are provided inspiration. Mm-hmm. They've learned something throughout the show, and they want to support what we're doing. Yep. And we don't send a bill. No, we offer it to them to give us something in return. And uh, so, if you want to donate to the show, reach out to us on Facebook. If you got our phone numbers, call us. If you see on the street, if you tell Joe Martinez, man, I learned something on that show, I guarantee it's going to hit him in the heartstrings. Yep. And so that's why we do it. We want to bring people like Calvin. We want to put a face on a stranger. And uh, so we'll see you next week. Yep. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thank Love you, guys. They're in the barbecue cooking. Women say they're good looking. And to me, there ain't a way to go wrong. If you're out at the lake or with the hippies getting baked, they're going to love it if you turn it on. If laughter and good times, tall tales and big lies fall under your category, get with Aaron and Joe's because you know you want to go and hear them cooking up a story. Just
You skit with Aaron and Joe's, hey, you know you want to go and hear them cooking up a story.